Legendaires, and welcome to episode 140 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you, and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher level overviews and fundamentals, and even the occasional how-to of systems, settings, and game mechanics. I am John Maxley Auschlow, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me today is absolutely no one because Heathen Dog has decided that the holiday is more important than being on a stream and being there for you. That's right. He abandoned you. He abandoned you. He abandoned me. No. <laughs> I hope everybody is doing well today. Let me hit this real quickly here because I want to thank all of you since, you know, it is just us now. Thank you to all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion Myth community as a whole. We have over 4,300 YouTube subscribers, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. And check the description below for links to various Legion Myth sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. And crafty ties for $2. Put that on the screen there, and then, then I'll show my lovely face. Boom! It's Sunday. Have you tithed today? Well, you've just tithed $2. Thank you very much. So <laughs> uh, let's get this off the screen. Why can't I get it off the screen? Oh, because I clicked the wrong button. See, when Heathen Dog's not here, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And boop, there we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, how come the little icon these in the corner changed? Need to be that big. Yeah, whatever. I'll deal with that later. So how's everybody doing today? Who do we have in the chatty chat? We have One-Legged Frog, hello, hello. Gaming with ADHD, good to see you, sir. Malachi, <laughs> Heathen Dog. See, I'm wondering if you and Heathen Dog are the same person. Hmm. When you're here, he's gone. Glasses. Suit versus spandex. Oh, anyway. <laughs> hello, my Hawkman. Seth McFulton, the crafting gamer. See everybody here. Hungry Ewok is here as well. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Today, in just a few moments, we're going to continue on with Mutant Year Zero role-playing at the end of days. There we go. Let's hold that a little straighter. There we go. <laughs> and, yeah, we're going, to, we're going to talk all about the combat system today. I don't know how long this is going to be. This could take a while. I actually read through the combat section real quick. Oh, I skimmed through it again last night. Uh, I've been reading so many Year Zero books that I've been conflating Alien versus Coriolis versus Forbidden Lands versus uh, uh, Mutant Year Zero. And uh, also kind of talk with Heath about Vason because he's going to be covering Vason as it's an overview in the next couple of weeks. So uh, looking forward to that. But um, yeah, so uh, I wanted to look it over, make sure I had my facts straight because it's been a while since I've actually run it. And I think I'm good to go. But we're going to do some examples. Shouldn't be too long. Combat chapter is actually shorter than I thought it was. So that's good. All right. Uh, other than that, I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, my week has been a week of malaise. Those who were there for the members only stream on uh, Friday. I've just been run down this week. Yep. Just been run down. Going to work. Not feeling like even doing that. Sleeping. Coming home. Sleeping. Waking up. Going, eh. Haven't written too much in my game. I've written a little bit, but not too much. Uh, needs to be cleaned up badly, but. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of just Satisfactory, <laughs> sitting down because I don't feel like doing anything else. Probably much to my wife's chagrin. I probably should have mowed grass yesterday, but eh. I felt like playing Satisfactory instead. So. Yeah, um, just haven't been doing much. Just kind of just feeling meh. 
not not uh not sick not not suicidal just just meh had a week of meh so hopefully you know feeling a little better today hopefully we get get through that and other than that my wife made me some fufu coffee wasn't <laughs> that uh don't really have too much else to talk about oh yes i do yes i do I don't like announcing this this close to the possible event. I want to be out there to, you know, to give it some time to advertise it. And this week, I'm going to shore up the date to make sure. We're not confirmed on the date because we're waiting for something to happen. But Kevin Simbita and Sean Owen Robertson from uh, Palladium Books are going to be coming back to talk about Titan Robotics. The reason why we don't have a date set, it's tentatively set for June 11th. The reason we don't have a date set is because we want to do an unboxing video. And can't guarantee that I'll have it then. So I need to reach out to him and find out like, hey, are we still set for the unboxing is more important or June 11th more important? So eh, we, we don't know. But this is where things get really interesting, because other than talking about Titan Robotics, I have no questions for Sean or Kevin. I mean, we can just hang out and, you know, shoot the S-word, so to speak. But uh, I really need you guys to post on our Discord. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, anything that's come up since the last time that they've been here that you want to mention, as long as it's, you know, respect. But you can critique. That's <laughs> no problem with critiques. But, uh, you know, we don't want to judge up. But what happened with that Kickstarter back in? Nobody cares about that. It's old news. But if you've got stuff, please bring it up on our Discord because Heathen Dog and I were talking and we're like, oh, so what is it we want to ask? And we're like, oh, we have a couple of suggestions that came in that we've got to find again. Uh, but, uh, you know, so hopefully I'll read some comments or I'll go through the Discord and try to find out what those were. But uh, if you know what they are, it'd be better off if you just posted them again. But yeah, go ahead and post those on our Discord. Link to the Discord is in the description below. We've got a couple of different suggestion areas. I don't care which one you use. Just use one of the suggestion areas. And uh, yeah, uh, let us know. Because otherwise we're going to be sitting here. Hey, Kevin, what's up? Hey, Sean. Good to see you. All right. Well, have a nice day. <laughs> Just, I, it's not that I don't want to talk to him. I really, really do. But I don't, I don't have anything that's grinding on me. It's like, well, let's see. What can I bring up now? And they really do prefer the more conversational format. How many times does the same person get asked, so how'd you get your start in gaming? You know? Of course, he had to do that the obligatory first time he was on, you know, things like that. But uh, I don't want to answer that. They want to talk about games. They want to they want to be gamer nerds just like us. So bring up those gamer nerd topics. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns for them, let us know and uh, we'll bring it up. Because uh, as I'm I've been sitting for the last couple of weeks going, I don't know what I want to ask. I mean, hanging out is great, but uh, a lot of it could just be staring at each other. So. Uh, how about those tigers? <laughs> you know, so. Uh, anyway. And not use cat poop to make his cut good. Just the hair. Gross. So. But with that, like I said, we're shooting for June 11th. That's the tentative date. And depending on when I get my Titan Robotics stuff, because I'll be the one unboxing it. And we'll unbox it on the, on the stream. We'll talk with Kevin and Sean about it challenges you know obviously we want to know what go you know what's involved in making the books as well uh you know maybe we'll get some state secrets from them but yeah you know see talk about what their next projects they're working on so looking forward to that 
I know uh, I've had for for two different reasons. People are like, I can't believe they're coming. Well, I've had the I can't believe they're coming back to talk to you guys. And I've also heard the I can't believe Max is going to talk to him again. Because uh, most of you probably know, well, you might not know off the cuff, but uh, obviously our last conversation with them had confrontational moments. But I but I want to be very open with you guys. They liked it, at least from what they told us. They both appreciated it. They like being challenged. I mean, we weren't disrespectful. I mean, okay, you could argue that he didn't call the game garbage was, but uh, you didn't call Sean's game garbage. He didn't call Sean garbage. He just said, eh, that's something. I forget, forget what he said. Um, but, you know, that's how gamer nerds talk. And they they like the conversation. Of course, we're not going to beat them up all the time. Nobody wants to come up, come on a show and, like, from the second they get you to the second leave, two hours later, three hours later, whatever it is, just, ah, what about, what about, you know? No, we want to have fun as well. But they liked it. And then, of course, the other side of it, I'm definitely not going to get into it on this show. We talked about it more in Friday Night Chill Stream. Some people saw it posted on the Discord, the whole pronoun thing that, that happened that I'm not happy with. Well, I'm not happy with it. We'll just say it like that. And I thought that the answer that I got back was, uh, was worse than doublespeak. But, you know, it is what it is. We like Kevin, we like Sean, we like Palladium books, so, you know, pick and choose battles, I guess, uh, is what I have to say on that one. So, yeah, I'm going to talk to him. I'm not going to say I was happy, but I'm also not, look, Kepi, can't talk anymore. Could never have Mark McKinnon on, he's Canadian, does it all the time, so, you know, <laughs> we like Mark McKinnon, too. So, uh, but, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that, and... So please, 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 please post on the Discord and let us know your questions, comments, concerns for Kevin and Sean. Pretty much about anything. Again, as long as it's respectful, don't bring up, was it the Kickstarter thing? Um, that Because that, people like to, uh, to dig up that dirt. I think there's one other off topic. Uh, oh, you know, I don't even have to bring that up because I don't think anybody's even remembering about it now. So, uh, yeah, just really... Things that are just intentionally contentious, just to be contentious, that nobody can do anything about. Don't bring those up, because I'm not going to ask it. Yeah. yeah, there you go, Crafty. Friends cannot argue about hobbies or passion about why be friends. You know, it's funny how some people take all serious... I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Oh. No, Heathen Dog did. Oh, oh man, I'll, uh, sorry, I, I was forgot that it doesn't come up over here. Uh, Heathen Dog did not go and uh, go to visit the studio yet. I can't remember why. Uh, I keep wanting him to, but no, he has not. And uh, that's it. Okay, so yeah. Oh, uh, for the folks who are looking for the members-only live stream on Locals, I can't upload it. So I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> I have very minimal space on locals that I'm allowed to upload. And what I did is I uploaded the last members only live stream to locals. So the, I think the Rumble followers can watch. I, I don't exactly know how that works, but, it, but the paying backers on locals, the one or two that we have, uh, can see it there. I'm trying to provide more venues for folks to, to be able to support us the way they want to. I just can't, unfortunately, have the members only stream. Rumble does not allow me to have the members only stream. Excuse me. And StreamYard doesn't integrate with locals or I don't have enough followers in locals. I don't know what that is, but uh, I can't stream there. So I have to do it this way. But I also, the week after the last members only stream, uploaded the full RPG Digest video. And that took up all my space. 
<laughs> I can't upload it to locals until uh, until June. So three, four days here, then I can upload it. Uh, if you want to ask that question, Mar Hawkman, please post it as a suggestion in uh, on Discord. I'm not going to remember it. So, but you know, it might be a good question. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I can I can assume uh, crafty that memorial. I I just have a myth this week. I do want to thank who I think that's his name H O O. He sent me a copy of his game. Uh, he's uh, on our Discord. He's Paradox Games. If you want to check it out, and I have not looked at it yet. It's probably not going to be my cup of tea directly because I don't like modern. I can say I don't like. That's just the way I talk, folks. Talk acting like I hate everything. Um, I'm not interested in modern style games. It's just not my thing. I like fantasy or sci-fi. I like the imagination to go wild. But if you like the idea of uh, 1980s role-playing, and <laughs> you can see these post-graphics and so forth in the Discord, you can check that out. So, uh... All right, anything else going on in chat before I get started here? We know you hate it. Yes, I do. I hate everything. Why is my wife... Shouldn't my wife be in the kitchen cooking? Don't you, do you have lunch or something to make for me? <laughs> uh, oh, wait, she's Asian. She'll cook one of the cats. No, don't cook. Don't cook. All right. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll, we'll start rolling into we'll do the proclivities and we will roll into uh, our topic. Let me shout out my youngest daughter. Someone come louder. President's Academic Award winner for uh, for year mock trial champion graduated high school. Go okay. Well, I'll put that on the screen for you, and then we'll start things. Oh, I got I don't normally check Discord here, but oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, you don't you don't have to tag me. <laughs> Actually, the best way to ask the question is to put Kevin's name or Sean's name in there because it's usually what I search for. I search for Kevin, Sean, and Palladium. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, I have not been watching the old geeks videos, and I'm so far behind on his streams and videos. I almost forgot he existed, and I feel bad because he's definitely one of the better channels out there. Oh no! Yes. Well, she's not Korean, but anyway, let's let's forget that. Let's go on here. Oh man! See, people can say things on the Rumble side that nobody on the YouTube or Streamyard side even knows about. All right, what are we doing today? We're talking about Mutant Year Zero. We're talking about combat. I think I have uh, things to. Yep. Go. Bring that back up. Oh, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> All right, did the thank you. So yeah, I guess we can just jump right in. Let me get the book ready. I have a little video for all the other proclivity stuff. Look at that. Pop that up. All right, for segment one. Actually, for the only segment. Well, no, we'll have a segment three. Just no segment two. Segment one today. We're going to deep dive into conflict and trauma. Now, those words, I really thought about changing it to combat and damage because people. I think would understand it better. But one, I wanted to use the words given in the book. And two, I thought about it. I was like, no, those terms mean something for Mutant Year Zero. And here's what it is. Conflict, 
One of the things about the Year Zero engine, I personally think it has the best social conflict in a game. It is meaningful, gives options to the players, allows role play, but doesn't get so into the weeds about everything. It allows the game master to let the players role play, but not take over the game trying to be an orator or explain somebody's mind, whatever, since most of us aren't real world diplomats or, you know, con men or whatever. So conflict isn't just about shooting, punching. It's also about the words we use and just using means to get what you want. So I kept that word. And trauma, one of the things, I, I, this ended up working out well. If you watch any of the previous videos, you'll know that uh, in talking with Heathen Dog, there are some pretty pedantic terms. Now, most of these can be interchanged by people at the table, but in terms of game mechanics, trauma is the generic term used for what normally you'd say damage. And the reason for that is because damage specifically means damage to strength. And we're going to dive into that more. We're going to look at those damage types, those trauma types. So I ended up keeping this, uh, this little cover screen here the same for that purpose. So I hope that I hope people watch it. Let's put it that way. Anywho, let's uh, get that off the screen, put that back there. And of course, let's talk about we believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Show stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, so I've got a question here that I think is a really good one to answer because it gives a little historical context. I may have mentioned this in one of the earlier uh, videos, but Perfect Tangent asks, is this RPG from the computer game or the other way around? The other way around. But, 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 I'm going to give a little history for me. I saw, so first of all, I like anthropomorphic animals. I like After the Bomb for Palladium. I like Gen Lab Alpha for Mutant Year Zero. It's my thing. So when I saw a computer game with the cover of a duck and a pig, or, which is funny because you can't play either of those races in Gen Lab Alpha or animal types in Gen Lab Alpha, uh, I was like, ooh, I'll play this game. This looks, oh, it's like Overwatch, but with uh, mutant animals, I'm in. And as I was playing, it's like, man, this would make a great role playing game. I look, I did a little research, come to find out there's a role-playing game. That's actually how I got introduced to this. I got introduced to Mutant Year Zero, which is now one of my favorite role-playing games through Rodeden. 
the the computer game. Now, mind you, Road to Eden has nothing to do with this other than a little bit of lore. And the reason I say that is because the gameplay doesn't work anything like this. It's as I said, it's more like playing Overwatch. Um, the, the lore addresses this, but nothing you'll find in that computer game in terms of gameplay has anything to do with how the year zero engine works. And I, and I read an article on this a couple of years ago, which basically said they couldn't do it. They couldn't have you keep dying of rot. They didn't have the budget to allow uh, you know you to build up a full arc and so forth. And it's because it was, let's be fair. It was, it was a lower budget game. It was a great game. It wasn't just some random like $10 indie thing. No, it was a good game, but it wasn't like, you know, EA or, or uh, Activision or whomever making, you know, your AAA game. So they, they couldn't do that. I hope that uh, someday something like that could be done. So there we go. Hopefully, uh, yeah, just because you don't like something doesn't mean you hate. Well, it's, for me, I say don't like a lot to mean that I don't care. See, I, I maybe I take an opposite track. Maybe I'm a half a glass half uh, empty kind of person. When I say I don't like something, when I think of the word like, I mean, I want to embrace it. I want to go forward with it. Even being ambivalent about something is I'll say I, I don't like it. That's uh, that's just the way I talk. So, yeah. So hopefully that answered the question. But yes, the computer game was based on the role playing game, or the role playing. Oh, I, I guess I'd say the game. I'd say the the IP because I don't even think that Free League owns the IP fully. Like, uh, I don't know. But we got a lot to talk about today, so let's get into the combat. Oh, I gotta move stuff around here. Over there, over here. I don't think we're going to need the roller, but just in case we do, I will have it ready to go. And now let's share the screen. That way, in case I do need the roller. All right. And we can F11 that. Go full screen and we can hide this. There we go. There is our mutant year zero cover. And let's see what page is like 78 or something like that. 76, 78. So here it's probably more like 80. Right. So we're going to be talking about conflict and trauma. And I'm going to try to give you guys some examples as we go through this. I had some people complain about the skill video saying that it was too long when I could have just talked about how to roll skills in five minutes. Theoretically, it's true, and I might make a five-minute video on how to do that. But remember, folks, this is a live stream, and we're doing a deep dive. I could read this verbatim word for word. I try to make it a little bit more exciting than that. But, uh, but I, I could probably do a video. I do have character creation videos. I have 10-minute introduction videos on, on these games, so I could probably do you know, example skill use, example combat. I do have an example combat for Coriolis that people said I made clear as mud, but it's because Coriolis has a lot of a lot of different options to it. But we'll talk about that when we do Coriolis in a couple of months. All right, so when someone gets in your way, you sometimes have no choice but to force them to move. Some of these, some of the skills described in chapter three let you affect other people via manipulation, threats, or physical force, and that's why it's called conflict. Manipulation is a form of conflict. It doesn't just have to be punching somebody in the face. But sometimes you just have to punch somebody in the face, though. So when someone wants to break you, again, break is a very important term as we will get through this chapter and find out uh, for this game. 
breaking. See, you could say somebody wants to knock you out, but again, that means damage, which means strength. You could also be so confused, and we'll get to this, that you can't act anymore. You're just like, oh, what is going on? Shell shock. You know, it's a, sort, it's a type of shell shock, right? So the term that they have when you can no longer function is break. So now, now we know when that comes up in this chapter, the word break pretty much means incapacitated, immobile, unable to, to do anything coherently. So when someone wants to break you and you want to break him just as badly, just as badly, you have a conflict. Conflicts can take a heavy toll on you character. Oh my God, fix your PDF, guys. This is fourth printing. I don't even know if my book is that bad. I don't remember it. Um, and could even kill him. Before entering a conflict, always ask yourself, is it worth it? And this is so true. I have more experience with this aspect of it doing Forbidden Lands than Mutineer Zero. But if there's one thing that I see people complain about, it's the fact that when you got five people and there's a monster, it's like, all right, it's computer game time. Let's go take it out. <laughs> oh, you might want to rethink that. Wait until you can ambush. And yes, I think you are a bad game master. I'm saying it right now. If you always remove the capability of the PCs to ambush the enemy, it is important to allow that. Now, that doesn't mean they always succeed. That doesn't mean they should always, every single 100% of the time, have the capability to ambush. But I've seen a couple of Let's Plays where it's like every time the characters tried to ambush the enemy, it's like the game masters are, oh, you know what, in this, uh, you're too close, and this, it's like... I haven't watched these Let's Plays in a while, so I forget the exact verbiage. But the, the idea was like, let, let them. In fact, sneak and, and ambush, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, you can do that at close range. Do that at long range. You, can, you have ways of letting that happen. If you're really concerned about the characters eating up, just charging through the enemy, first of all, apparently you've never had a, a day of bad dice rolls. And secondly, just add a couple more creatures. Let them double the number just add a couple more make it a little more deadly one other person that can club somebody with a spiky bat or has three bullets to his name and can shoot somebody can end a pc's day if you want to go that route don't be afraid of letting the pcs set up that ambush so turns and initiative conflict starts when you try to manipulate shoot fight or intimidate which is a form of manipulation or when someone does the same to you. Then it's time to roll initiative. Uh, not exactly. I get why it's said here, but not exactly. I'm a firm believer, and again, your mileage may vary on this. I'm a firm believer that you roll initiative only when the order of operations matters. If Crafty and chat here were to say, hey, I see Mar Hawkman over there, I'm going to take a shot. I'm not rolling initiative for that because there was no, well, he might go before you. No, <laughs> you're hiding and you're taking a shot. You're just going to go. Unless it's important to know who goes first, unless there really is a legitimate method to react to it before the other person can act. When somebody declares something, that's that person goes. Now, after that, Probably, I'm not saying you will, I'm saying probably you are having initiative after that fact because people are going to be on their toes looking around trying to figure out who's going next and, and so forth. A little bit more tactical. Yes, it is a game. Even theater of the mind, which is the way I play, 
It is a game still, which means it's going to have game mechanics, which means you are going to play a game. If you can't handle that, maybe the role-playing game hobby isn't for you. So when it's time to roll initiative, roll a d6. No skills used, and you cannot push the roll. The one who rolls the highest acts first, from six down to one. If it's a tie, the highest current agility score goes first. If it's still a tie, break it with any unmodified die roll. I don't do this. I do the agility thing, but at this point, if it's a tie, it's still a tie, and I say the actions are simultaneous. That does make a little quirky uh, situation when it comes to defending, but uh, I just roll with that. So, When both of you have acted, now in this case, when it's saying both, it's talking about two teams or you know two groups, but when... Two opponents, you could have three or four, but when, when the sides have acted, when everybody's acted, the turn is over and a new turn starts. The order of initiative is set for the entire conflict. This is something I don't like, but it kind of have to do it in this game. There are too many options around it. I'm, I'm one of those type of people that believes that combat is a scrum. I like rolling initiative every round. It slows down the game. Don't care. That's just the way I like it, but it doesn't fit for this game to do that because of the options and talents and so forth that, that come with the game. So. You roll initiative at the beginning and you're done. There are ways to change your initiative through use of talents, through the use of actions. But generally speaking, what you roll, that's what you are. Now, in fact, it says it right here, the extreme reflexes mutation and the combat veteran talent can affect your initiative roll. I think both of those allow you to roll two dice, if I remember correctly, and pick the highest one. And if you have both of them, I could be wrong about this, but I know in certain circumstances, if you have two certain abilities, you can roll three dice and pick the highest one. So... Time. In the game, a turn can represent between 10 seconds and several minutes. It depends on what's happening. If you're being really stealthy, really careful, you're out in the wilderness, you're out in the zone, there's rot around, little green fog uh, all around you, and trees and birds flopping around, and you're trying to find out where the enemy is, and you're holding your breath, holding your breath. Okay, you're going from this tree to the next tree, and your buddies are coming up. Around could be a couple of minutes before there's any real significant change that would require another type of roll or finish a, uh, we'll call it a continuous action. Or it could be, hey, I'm acting now. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the heat of combat. And for some people, 10 seconds seems like it's a little long. Well, I should be able to do all these things in 10 seconds. Look, man, it is a game still. There is a framework within this universe. I like to consider game rules to be universal constants. This isn't Earth. This is this is a parallel universe Earth. So just just I'll say is just accept between 10 seconds and several minutes, and you can be flexible in there. Anybody who's sitting at the table, and, and I gotta tell you, because I used to be guilty of this myself when I was like, oh, you know, I should be able to do this and this and this other thing. Calm down, dude. Calm down. You'll get your turn when it's your turn. Or we are playing a game. More combatants, if you're lucky, you have friends on your side in the conflict. You're unlucky. Your enemy has company too. Anyone who wants to join conflict rolls for initiative at the beginning of the first turn. All right, we don't need to keep doing uh, that. NPC groups, whatever. Changing the initiative. All right, you never re-roll your initiative during a conflict. I hate the word never, but it is true. But there are a few ways that you can increase your initiative scores and thus change your position in the turn order for the next turn and onwards. You could use the extreme reflexes mutation we looked at, well, probably didn't look at it, but it's on page 72. Uh, we would have covered it uh, last week. 
and use stunts when you fight or shoot. Stunts will, uh, were talked about when we talked about skills, that, that uh, long, almost two-hour video when we dove into skills. Extra successes means stunts, and you can use a stunt to inc uh, change your position in the initiative order. And it gives an example here. Actions and maneuvers. When it's your turn, you're allowed to perform one action and one maneuver, or two maneuvers. So think of maneuvers as fast actions. And, you know, an action is a slow action. But I'm going to use the game terms that the book uses. So you can do one maneuver and one action or two maneuvers. An action can be roll for a skill. Pretty generic term, right? Anytime you're concentrating on something enough to roll, to have to perform a skill, your focus is tied into that. Therefore, that is going to be the action slash, you know, slow action. Maneuvers are something you can pretty much do automatically there are exceptions to that and there are definitely talents and mutations that allow you to convert actions to maneuvers so if you want to do something quicker there might be a, a talent for that that will allow you to this is no longer an action this is now a maneuver so you can look into those a maneuver can be used to move one range step and we'll get into what ranges are in a little bit but you can use a, effectively a maneuver your quick action right to move one range category. And you can kind of, you know, if you're cheating, you can see them over here. You can seek cover, which uh, I think is in this chapter on page 89. Get an item from your gear. So, look, you're not carrying a lot of gear, first of all, unless you're a scavenger. And even then, you get a roll for that. Uh, so it's pretty simple. It's not like you got to go through your backpack and try to find that potion of healing. It's going to take clack, 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 six rounds. Six minutes to find my... I think I would have it packed better than that. But, no, it just takes a maneuver at fast action in order to uh, get an item from your gear. Now, it doesn't say use the item. It just says get the item. Uh, pick an item up from the ground. You dropped your weapon or somebody uh, knocked it out of your hands. There you go. To draw a weapon, aim with a gun. This is going to be important in a little bit. Yes, you need to aim before you shoot. Well, nope, you don't need to aim. You probably want to aim before you shoot. Also. It's a fast action. Sorry. I actually say in my table fast action, but it's a maneuver to reload a gun. One bullet at a time. Remember, this is a post-apocalyptic world where things are made out of scrap. You don't have an M60, the belt-fed magazine. <laughs> so, um, incidentally, there are automatic weapons in the game. Very rare, though. And it's a fast action. Fast action. Sorry, it's a maneuver. Let me use the right term. It's a maneuver to use an item. So you can get an item from your gear and you can use it in the same round. Why? Because you can do two maneuvers on one turn. But that would be all that you're doing. You need to drink that booze in order to, to heal. I said that right. Then uh, you can pull that out of your pack and you can... Okay, in a term, you can perform an action or maneuver or perform two maneuvers. There we go. Helping and hindering. If you help or hinder another person, now this should be common sense, but of course, you got to put it in the game because somebody's going to try to rules lawyer this. If you help or hinder another person, this takes place, takes the place of your own action that turn. You can, however, perform a new maneuver while helping or hindering. So if you're helping somebody uh, move a big grate out of the way, that requires a force roll. You can help, even if that person's initiative is before yours. You don't have to wait for your initiative to go. 
but you are using your action for the round to do that. Mutations, activating mutation normally counts as an action. Again, there are some exceptions to that but, uh, range of movement. Now, here's where things get a little different than many of the games you might be used to playing. A lot of games use exact numbers. A lot of games say you're five squares away, you're ten hexes away, uh, or they just get feet and inches. This gun shoots 150 feet at short range, 300 feet at medium range, 600 feet at long range, you know, something like that. This game, again, likes to be abstract and necessarily so. I enjoyed it. It was a little struggle for me at first, but hey, cat. But, uh, but I enjoy. Oh, you guys can't see the cat because the thing in the way. Oops, he walked away. Everybody likes to see kitties, right? Here, hold on. Let's, let's put on the kitty cam. Turn that off. There you go. Hey, come on back. Now he's got his butt to me. There we go. Uh, anyway, uh, back to this. So arm's length, that's your melee combat range. That's, uh, that's, you're right next to each other. You're grappling, you're holding on, you're punching, whatever. Near is a few steps away. Now, what does a few steps mean? Does it matter? It means whatever you and your game master say it means. Short is up to 20 or 30 yards. What this is good for is this is good for a room environment or a hallway environment. Now, you're playing Mutant Year Zero. Chance of you being inside a row, actually, pretty good. But, uh, I mean, this isn't like crawl, a normal dungeon crawl, but you might be exploring the ruins of an old shopping center. You might be, uh, you might be out in the wilderness, and you've got a cop's trees here and an open clearing here. That could be a two different, you know, that could be here to here, short range. Also consider the the ability to travel through it. If it's something that hinders you, like you can't just sprint through it without twisting your ankle and falling over, short range might be closer to that 20 yards. If it's a wide open space, you could actually make short range, I have done this, made short range a little longer. Now, I don't suggest you get too far with it, but, you know, because otherwise you kind of defeat the meaning of long range. But the, the, the point is, is if you've got a long, let's say you are you are got a, a crashed air, aircraft, right? I don't know how long a 737 is. Doesn't matter. We're just going to arbitrarily say it's 100 feet. You could say that, you know, that entire uh, walkway where, you know, the, the cabin, you know, it's open on top. So you could, you could have some sun coming in. You could say that entire thing is short range. You could also say that half of it is short range and, and the other half is a long range. It's however you want to interpret it. Just, just be consistent and be cool with the players. And so when you're trying to figure out how far you can move in 10 seconds or how far you can shoot or how hard it is to shoot, it makes sense. And of course, sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. So whatever you do for you guys or for the players, you do for the NPCs as well. Uh, I'm not trying to ignore chat. It's hard for me to, uh, to keep up with it, but it doesn't look like it's moving that much. So, oh! Crafting Gamer gifted one membership. It doesn't say to who, though. Gifted a membership to say, well, thank you, Crafting Gamer, for gifting a membership. I wish I could put that on the screen, but I can't. Wait, can I? I can't. You saw a tail, yeah. Right there. Yeah, uh, uh, come on. <laughs> He's like, no, don't grab my tail. Um, all right. So anyway, we've got uh, arm's length is just next to each other. Near is a few steps away. Short is 20, uh, 30 yards. Long is up to a few hundred yards. And distant is, is as far as you can see. 
Oh, Nerdy Ogre was gifted. All right, there we go. Cool. Well, congratulations, Nerdy Ogre. And thank you very much, Crafting Gamer, for gifting a membership. That's awesome. Everybody thank Crafting Gamer and check out his channel. Put another Robotech video. You can see it on the screen there. Can I put it on the screen? Where Do you have a comment in here anywhere? Then people even here can see it and say, I'm going to subscribe to that channel. You should. There it is. Way back there. Hi, all. <laughs> there you, you can see it right there. The Crafting Gamer. And I kind of like the, I don't know when I changed that or if I actually clicked on some of this uh, different look. I like it for the Super Chats. I don't like it for my name on the screen, though. It's too big. Uh, thanks again. All right, advancing and retreating. Now, one of the things that I see happen in tabletop role-playing games, and I've never really seen a game perfectly work out the rule, is how to disengage from combat. Because anytime an NPC tries to disengage from a player, players are like, no, I'd keep up with them. That can't happen, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're going to hear cat fighting here. Oh, no, maybe not. Walk the other way. Um, or vice versa, like, oh, I should be able to get away from him. I pushed him and I turned around and I ran. You know, you know, D&D has the attack of opportunity nonsense. Uh, you know, different games try to come up with different rules that I think the more they try to make those rules specific. Hey, hey. Nope, cat's gone. Uh, the, the more they try to make those rules specific, I think the worse they make the rule as a whole. And I will tell you that the years your engine rule isn't perfect, but I think it makes great cinematic sense. And what I mean by that is that uh, it's simple, easy to adjudicate, and gives you a chance to get away or gives you a chance to still stay in the combat zone if you don't do it. So, to move toward or away from an enemy, you use maneuvers. Remember, what's a maneuver? It's the fast action. As long as you start and end up within short distance or less, so up to 20, 30 yards. Uh, as long as you start and end up with short distance or less, moving one range category takes one maneuver. Now, can you double move? Yes, you can. For any movement beyond short distance, you need two maneuvers in direct succession in the same turn to move one range category. Meaning you can't perform an action in the same turn. So you can move basically 25 yards, you know, 20, 30 yards, and shoot. You can move 20, 30 yards and move something. Uh, force that, that cockpit, uh, not cockpit, yeah, force that cockpit door open. Uh, what, what else can you do during that time? I don't know what else you can do during that time. <laughs> I think what, uh, so you, you, can, you can know the zone. You can, well, that takes minutes, but whatever. The point is, is you can move approximately 20, 30 yards and still do something meaningful. Mutations and vehicles can help you move faster than normal. Vehicles are something I stay away from in Mutant Year Zero. I know that sounds weird or mean, but I stay away from airships and Earth Dawn, so you know, it is what it is. So, even give you a fancy little chart here in case you weren't sure. To go from arm's length, to, or wait, sorry, to move from arm's length and near, or sorry, I cannot read a chart. Let's backtrack this. To move between arm's length and near is one maneuver. To move between near and short is one maneuver. 
I will tell you that if you're not engaged in direct combat between arm's length and short is one maneuver. If you are engaged in direct combat, like a fisticuffs, then I say that these are two maneuvers. Okay. Short to long range is two maneuvers. Why? Because this goes out several hundred yards, or it can go out to several hundred yards. Usually people treat long about a hundred yards, but I think that's because of Forbidden Lands, but it can be more than that as well. Now, fleeing the conflict. You're losing the fight. Remember, this game has a death spiral. When you take damage, as we'll see in a little bit, your strength gets lowered. And if you rely on strength to club somebody in the face, well, you're rolling less dice. So at some point, you're like, you know what? I would rather leave than get KO'd, because if I get KO'd, this person might be merciless. It might be a monster and sees me as food. It's ready to eat me. So if you lose in a fight, it's often better to run away and survive. And I will tell you that is very true in all the Year Zero games. Well, all the Year Zero engine games, uh, even, even including the step version like uh, Twilight 2000. A good game master is going to A, allow the characters an out. Players have to take it, right? They have to agree to the out. They have to want to get, get out but also allow an alternate means of success. Because a lot of times, players don't like to reattack an issue. You know, those lizard men, they almost wiped us out. I don't want to attack them again. You know, sometimes just replanning the attack might be the benefit. Other times, maybe there should be another way to get around it. So always have alternate ways of succeeding at a task. If you do that, then running away isn't such a bad deal because experience points isn't given in this game for uh for what you kill like DD. so if you want to get out of a conflict roll to move so that's a move skill check a successful roll means you have found some way out now notice it doesn't say oh you have done this you've done no it just says you found some way out you could have been like over there and then turn and run this way you could just be more dexterous. You could push the guy backwards and then turn and run. You could kick dirt in his face. Didn't do anything meaningful to him, but it slowed him, made him hesitate just enough where you turned around and ran away. Whatever it is, come up with whatever story hook that you need to do that makes sense. You have found some way out and the conflict is over. You didn't just turn and move 10 feet you turned and you're gone theoretically could he shoot you yes but i uh, depends on the players i've only had this situation come up once where i had a player absolutely insist that doesn't matter if he runs away i'll just shoot him just shoot him i'll just shoot him i didn't want to say no to the player but then i reminded the player if you do this then i'm going to allow it for the npcs well, it should happen. It should happen. Like, the point of the move roll is to say you got out of the fight. It's not just to say I turned and moved 20 feet. It's to say I got out of the fight. Use it for what it's intended to be used. Now, I'm not going to argue that here. I'm just saying as a game master, you might rule it one way. You might say, you know what? No, I don't care. You're out of the fight. Deal with it. You might say, you know what? It makes sense that you can shoot. It makes sense that you could still do something. We can't have a one roll just freebies you out that's up to you but i'm telling you that it says right here the conflict with that character is over however you can't use the flee roll to move past an enemy blocking away you are not blockade running by trying to flee 
The GM can modify your roll depending on how hard the terrain is to hide in. The distance to your closest enemy also matters. See the table below. If your enemy is at arm's length, so you're fisticuffing him, you're, you're going sword to sword, scrap sword to scrap sword, metal bar to, <laughs> to brass knuckles, you get a minus two to that roll. Remember what minus two means? That's minus two dice. The character's at near range. That's, you know, just a few yards away. You're at minus one die. Why is it minus one die? Because you're still close enough where theoretically he could chase you, should chase you. Um, other factors come into play. Ground stability, uh, you know, the armor you're wearing. You know, you can, you can come up with all types of role-playing concepts as to why he could catch up to you or how you could get away. Short is unmodified. Long, you get a plus one die. And then a distant, because we're talking, you know, sight range. Yeah, you're gone. You don't even need a roll. Note that you only need, remember, this is your zero engine. One success is success. You don't have to do compounded successes here. One success is a success for anything, whether the skill takes 20 minutes to do or the skill is done in 10 seconds. A skill roll is a skill roll. That means you've succeeded. So note that you only need one successful roll to get out of harm's way and leave the conflict. Also note that you don't have to roll for your distant range. Hey, Mr. Max, good to see you. If your roll fails, it means that you are pinned down and unable to get away for the moment. You remain at the same range, whatever that happened to be. Either the, the guy followed you or you tripped bell got back up i don't know you know what's two maneuvers well yeah well, there you go that's you tried to run away and that's what happened however you want to say it person followed you you tried to duck and it didn't work uh you were unable to move the way you thought you were because you know you did some sort of jerry lewis thing turned around ran into a tree who knows but you didn't get away and the enemy is still in in position now this goes into another thing that I saw happen, and you just have to be prepared for it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Please do not take what I'm saying when I say these things, that they're right or wrong. These are preparation. You're going to have players that say, well, I failed my role, but, and so I didn't get away, but I still moved. That just pulled that enemy away from such and such to do whatever. Did it? That's up to you as the game master. May, you know, maybe say, nope, you fell in place. Or you weren't able to move. You were ducking and weaving. And you were trying to find a breakout. But, you know, you did have some self-preservation in you. And you couldn't go anywhere. Or you could say, you know what? Yeah, you're in an open clearing. There's no reason you couldn't just turn and run. Unfortunately, he's following you. The enemy's with you. It could be case by case. It could be judgment call. However you want to do it as the game master. Just be prepared that people are going to manipulate these skills, these rules, to get those advantages. As I always say, remember, if the players can do it, or the player characters can do it, then the non-player characters can do it as well. So always remind the character, the, the players of that, like, hey, if you do this, know that I'm going to start doing that with my NPCs. You know? So... Um, the GM can let you, some other misfortune happen to you as well. You can try to flee. The, this rule has to be put in here because of, um, remember, you usually only have one attempt, but you can try to flee again next turn. Remember, it is a movement roll. It's a skill roll. You can push it too. So, but if you 
Well, use the skill, and then you uh, you push it and still fail. I'm sorry. You can try again next round. Other types of moves. There are, of course, other types of movement in conflict besides advancing, retreating, fleeing. For these, GM assesses the situation and what you are trying to accomplish. To run a short distance, seek cover, for example, only requires a maneuver. Short, remember, terms are important. It's a maneuver. If the movement is harder to complete, like lounging through a bunker gate that is about to close, you'll need a move roll to succeed. And what happens when you have a roll? That turns it into an action. Ambushes and sneak attacks right here in the first sentence. The key to winning a conflict is often to attack when your enemy least expects it. Game masters, ambush the players. Okay, not the players. The player characters. Characters, player characters, ambush the NPCs. If you do the whole have at ye fair fight, you're leaving your chance to dice. I mean, you still kind of are with this, too. But It is part of the game, and I don't know why game masters shy away from this. Or they don't like it. I've talked to game masters that don't like, oh my god, every time they go into a fight, they're planning this and sneaking that and do. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, that's what they should be doing. So. Let's see. If you attack in a way that the GM deems likely to surprise your enemy, notice this, it's not a roll. The GM deems likely to surprise your enemy. You get to add plus two to your initiative roll. That means you could have an eight. You also could have a three, and the enemy could have a six, but you know, hey. Hello, GM Johnny, good to see you. I think that's the first time I've seen your name. I might be wrong. I forget everything anyway. A sneak attack. When you stalk someone... And your attack catches them unawares. It's called the sneak attack. First roll and opposed roll. You guys remember how to do an opposed roll? If not, go back and check the video where I talk about skills. We talk about opposed rolls there. For sneak versus scout. Obviously, the character sneaking sneaks. The scout scouts. Do you remember who gets to push the roll? Do they both get to push the roll? Or it's just one side or the other get to push the roll? Well, the answer is easy. Who's the actor? It's almost always the sneaker. That's the person who gets to uh, push the roll. The way I do it, and I, I'm saying this more definitively than I think I probably should. Uh, this isn't a game I've run a million times. It's only a game I've run a couple of times. But I give the push the roll to the, to the player characters each time. Game's deadly enough. I'll find ways to kill you if I need to. Else the rot's going to get you anyway. So if the characters are scouting, I let them push the roll. If the characters are sneaking, I let them push the roll. That's how I do it. So you get a modification according to how close you are. See the table below. If several people attempt to sneak attack, this is important. All must make separate rolls. If anyone fails, the attackers are spotted. Don't let your clumsy enforcer, I'm going to go pet the rabbits, George, uh, go in there and try to make a sneak attack if you really want it to happen. <laughs> don't do it. And I probably should have brought it down. I, I, unfortunately, it's up there behind me. If any of you know that the channel, Professor Dungeon Master, uh, what's his actual uh, dungeon craft? I do use Ultimate Dungeon Terrain for year zero engine and his ultimate dungeon terrain version two is great for the year zero engine because it has the concentric circles for zones 
You don't have to do it, but that's what I use. Uh, again, I'm theater of the mind type person. I don't care about exact distances. A special kind of sneak attack is the ambush. You lie in wait for your enemy and attack when he passes. When you ambush someone, roll to sneak, modify the distance by the distance to target. Uh, if you're trying to ambush somebody, if you're trying to be, you know, John Rambo, you know, with the mud over you, and all of a sudden you just open your eyes, go to grab them, you're going to be at minus two. However, they're long range, you know, a couple hundred yards. You can be at plus one. Okay. And note... The tracker mutation can be used to notice sneak attacks and ambushes. Social conflicts. Now, we're getting out of the realm of, of you know, ambushes into social con uh, conflicts. I've said before, I said at the beginning of this, I'll say it again now. I like the social conflict rules in Year Zero Engine. I think they're the best balance that I've seen between allowing the player characters to roleplay, but having mechanics that are there and effective but don't get in the way so for non-violent conflicts you use the manipulate skill it's a post and we've i don't know if we talked about manipulate specifically uh it's, it's opposed by what uh insight right or it's, it's, it's not called insight in this game it's called uh let's go oh it's sense emotion so both empathy usually one's wits okay uh, anyway when you attempt oh sorry the, the enforcer can also intimidate because remember most of those special skills are just uh, specialties of a skill that's already in the game so to be, to be able to manipulate or intimidate someone you need your subject must be able to hear and understand you okay speak the same language which to be fair most people are going to speak the same language you know in the zones and what you want must be something that isn't completely unreasonable. You are not going to win if you just say, you know what? You're going to hand me your firstborn and all your money. What are you going to give me? Nothing. Well, no, you're, you're I'm going to make my charisma check. No, you're not. Because what you're asking for is unreasonable. There is always, with an exception, always a give and take. You must offer something. If the GM thinks both these conditions are met, she will determine your bargaining position and give you each a modification based on it. Each of the following factors gives you plus one modification. This is to your manipulation role. You have more people on your side. I additionally say if you have obviously more power on your side. If you come across a bunch of people looking like bubbles off of Trailer Park Boys with some shopping carts, and you're up there loaded to the, you know, scrap armor all over the place, adjacent hockey mask, a couple of guns, a few people with some, you know, uh, pole arms or, or machetes or whatever, just ready to go. Yeah, you know what? You, you outgun these folks. I'm going to give you a plus one for that as well. What you ask for doesn't cost your opponent anything. Wait, all you want is my shopping cart? I know I can get about 10 other ones, so uh, sure, have it. <laughs> uh, the opponent has suffered trauma. The opponent, whether you guys did it or the, the, somehow the opponent is injured. You've helped your opponent earlier. What? You tell me that if I'm actually nice to somebody, it might be more apt to help me? Yeah. You plead your case very well. Now, this gets into that consternation area where people think that they have to be 
glib. They have to be orders. Have to be thespians. No. No, you don't. Look, I don't want the person with the least ability to communicate to play the bard. And if you know, if you know anything about Heathen Dog and I, we use bard for face character, bar, any character that, that's going to do the talky talks, right? But it doesn't have to be the, the alpha male or the drama queen or the person who's just the social light. It doesn't have to be that person in real life. You're role playing. You're playing a role playing game to role play people, aren't you? I don't know about you, but I'm not trained in uh, medieval sword fighting. So, what, I can't play, I can't play a fighter now? Okay. At some point, you gotta let people roleplay, and yes, I know, like, at my tables, I stress roleplaying. I do first person. I want all the players at the table to do first person. Oh, I'm out! Okay, bye! No, but that might not be your table. Your table might do it differently. As long as the player makes a good case, and if you watched last week, or, um, or no, it was on the Friday night, uh, the members only live stream. We talked about uh, my number one complaint about players at the table is players who rationalize, who think that they're smarter than the game, smarter than the game master, might actually be smarter than the game, smarter than the game master, but too bad. No, you're not getting, well, it just doesn't make sense that this wouldn't, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. You need to plead your case. Well, what is your intent? You don't have to act it all out for 25 minutes. What is, what is your, what are your salient points? What is it you're trying to say? What is it you're trying to do? And if they make sense, oh, I'm going to offer him this because we want that, and I'm going to plead because, uh, you know, there's a sickness going around, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about the, the the dying children or something, right? It's just something. You might not be a good role player, but if you can think that well, that might be fine at your table. At my table, I want you to role play it. But that doesn't mean that you have to do that. Your table, you might just talk about what is it that you're trying to do. Don't be so anal retentive on this stuff that like, well, you aren't a good thespian, so I'm not giving you the bonus. If it makes sense, if the player leads the case well, then let it happen. At the same time, if, players, players, if it takes you five minutes to plead your case, you didn't plead it well. Okay. So there. <laughs> it should be up on Rumble, Violence. It should be up on Rumble as well. Duh. All right. Now, the following factors give you a minus one modification. Your opponent has more people on his head, or, again, obviously stronger. What you ask for is valuable or dangerous. I'm not going to give this. I am not giving you something you can use against me. What are you talking about? Now, it doesn't mean the answer is just outright no. It just means you get a minus one. Sweeten the pot a little bit. Make it worth it for me. Your opponent has nothing to gain by helping you. Look, whatever, dude. You know what? I, what am I getting out of this? Literally nothing. So, oh, I'm giving you a pack of cigarettes. A pack of cigarettes doesn't do me anything in comparison to that AK-47 I'm giving you. So, no. Again, just a minus one. That's not a no. You have difficulties understanding each other. It could be various reasons for this. Don't speak the same language. Uh, too far away. I think that's actually, yeah, that's the next one. Uh, but there, there, are, there are various reasons as to why 
uh, uh, what's that Star Trek episode? Something Jalad at Tanaga, whatever the hell it's called. I'm sure my Hawkman will put it in chat. Um, where he had to learn the linguistic metaphors of the culture. Now, use your engine probably doesn't have a lot of that, but it is still there because it's just a universal concept that if you have difficulties understanding each other, maybe you got injured in the face hole and you can't talk well. Whatever. Now, what about groups? When you want to manipulate or intimidate a group of people, it is normally the group leader or spokesperson that is the object of your skill roll. Remember that you get a minus one modification if he has more people behind him. If you push the leader in your preferred direction, the other NPCs will generally follow. If there's no clear leader in a group of NPCs, you'll need to manipulate or intimidate them separately. Usually, for lack of a better term, chieftain. One of the things I suggest to avoid is, let's say you meet a scouting party. And like, hey, we need this. Uh, we want to do these things. We want to travel through your territory, blah, 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 give and take. And you make your manipulation roll. The player characters already made the manipulation roll. Unless it is really, really, really important, don't make them roll again. It's already been made. Well, now we got to convince uh, this person. Then we got to convince the chief. Then we got. You're just basically saying, "Look, I don't want you to do this. Don't do that." What should happen is they get invited to the town or to the outskirts of the town. Some things will happen. Maybe they're disarmed. Well, we don't want to be disarmed. Well, you made your manipulation roll. If you want to get what you're going to do. You have to play this. You have to play this in return, or maybe we do need to have another manipulation role. It's going to be up to you and your group. Again, a lot of this is subjective, which is why I like it. Your table can run it differently than my table, but typically speaking, if they've convinced the scouting party, that scouting party should be able to have a conversation with the chieftain and say, "Hey, and maybe this should happen." It's just going to take time. Like, you know what? We agree to your terms, but you have to stay the night and smoke peyote with us. And if you see the dream vision, then, you know, something, you know, that, that might stall them for time. Or you could say, no, we need this now. Well, then now that's going to be another manipulation role because you're trying to increase uh, or, or lessen the time. You can find ways to not just be a dick about it and have it meaningful. But if they make the manipulation role, you know, try, uh, try to let that work its way through. Yeah, Shaka, his eyes open. There you go. Uh, yeah, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. There you go. See, you guys got it. Uh, all right. So, some gear, most often artifacts, can provide a gear bonus to your attempts to manipulate or intimidate. Hey, uh, uh, a megaphone. We want all your gold. What? Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Oops, I cursed on RPG Digest. Sorry. I've been doing that a lot recently. I got to stop doing that. That's for the Friday Night Chill stream. Uh, all right. Effects. When you successfully manipulate someone, this usually means that they do what you want, but only if you give, oh wow, proton change, something in return. Decides what it is he wants, but it must be something meaningful or that you can reasonably accomplish. It's up to you whether to accept the deal or not. Yes, the NPCs will counter offer. Good GM should be ready for that counter offer, either in notes or maybe it's in a module, whatever. Or sorry, they call them compendiums for this. A, a good GM, you know, might even have a list depending on how many successes. Or if you if the play, uh, player characters offer offer this, the, this will happen. You know, you can have this back and forth. You don't have to go too deeply with it. It's very abstract, but if 
if the manipulation is that important, if it's just like, a, oh my God, I wasn't planning on this to happen, well then just, just handle it. But if it's a meaningful manipulation, like the intent of the quest is to get an item to bring back, well, have, have some options available. If you successfully use the Intimidate skill, your opponent must either do what you want or attack you immediately. Immediately. And that's uh, for the Enforcer. And we talked about that with the skills. Stunts. Extra success on your roll mean you sow fear or doubt into your opponent's heart. Suffers one point of doubt. Now, we haven't talked about damage yet, although I've covered a few times. Doubt is... Uh, that's that's emotional damage. Yeah, that's that's empathy damage. Oh, shouldn't say damage. Trauma. I'm trying to use the right terms for the game since we are going through the book. So this acts. So if you have an empathy of three dice and you suffer a point of doubt, you're down to two dice. Well, the same happens for the NPCs. If he's broken by doubt, he does what you want without demanding a return favor. Yeah. You could lord over him so much. And I can't wait till we get to Gen Lab Alpha and talk about dominate. <laughs> Dominate's great. It's like, oh, I'm strong, I'm gonna do this. Well, yes, oh, I'm just a mouse, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, does it without demanding a, uh, uh, a favor in return. So that way you can get what you want without having to do anything for it. So that's social conflict. Hopefully, again, uh, I didn't really do any real examples there, but I kind of talked about you know some options that can happen in your games. So let's talk about close combat now. When you attack in close combat, use the fight skill. Close combat usually happens at arm's length. With some weapons, like a scrap spear, you can attack from near range. Basically, pole arms go out to near range, and normal, you know, spike bats, uh, uh, clubs, uh, uh, pieces of metal, I'm trying to think, you know, uh, brass knuckles, scrap gear, whatever, uh, those go out to arm's reach. If your fight roll succeeds, now this is a skill, and we should have talked about this in skills, and we did talk about this in skills to some degree, but now that we're in combat, we're going to talk about what happens when you fight. Fight roll succeeds, you hit, and your opponent suffers weapon damage. For every extra success you roll, beyond the first, you get to choose one of the stunts. So you inflict one additional point of damage. That's the most common ones, and that's repeatable. You subdue or tire your enemy enemy instead of suffering damage which happens to strength the enemy suffers fatigue which comes off of agility instead this is great to use against shooty shoot people you increase your initiative score by two taking effect next turn obviously you know you've used your turn right now right and yeah you can do this a lot you can you can three rounds in a row if you want okay i'm at two i'm at four i'm at six again with the exception of this one, you cannot choose, you can uh, you increase your initiative score by two multiple times in the same same turn. Now, to be fair, it's your table, you do what you want. But, typically speaking, no. You knock or pull a weapon or other object from your opponent. You choose which. That's the whole thing of dropping it to the ground. Now he'll have to use a maneuver to pick it up. During a conflict, picking up a dropped object counts as maneuver. Now, one of the things about this book is it says during a conflict a lot. The reason it says is because if you haven't rolled initiative, you're not dealing with actions and maneuvers. You're just role-playing. You're just, things are happening. Yes, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't take any meaningful amount of time. During a conflict, that's, a conflict starts once initiative rolled. 
by the game terms. So in conflict, it counts as a maneuver. Your opponent falls to the ground or is pushed back, for example, through a doorway or over a cliff. That is right, you might not have killed your opponent with that attack, but you knocked him backward, fell off the cliff a thousand feet, and he's dead. Yeah, you can do that if you're fighting on that you know, parapet. And you hold the opponent in a grapple, and we'll talk about grappling in a moment. It's a scrap axe. Defense. This is something that I think confuses a lot of people. If you played Palladium, you've got a good grasp of it already. If you have not played Palladium games, or even if you have, the one big change for this is you've got to make a choice. Do you want to defend or do you want to attack? Because it is going to take up your action to do this. What is more meaningful, uh, meaningful for you at this point? It's up to you. So when someone fights you, you can try to defend yourself. When you defend, you also roll for fight. Roll your dice at the same time as the attackers. You have to declare your defend. For each success you roll, choose one stunt. You eliminate one success of the attacker. If he has no successes left, the attack has uh, no effect. You increase your initiative score by two, taking effect next turn. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I take this one out. This is my preference. I allow it for the attack side. I don't allow it for the defense side. That's, again, my house rule. You don't like it, don't use it. Just keep it in. Just keep it in the game. <laughs> uh, you knock or pull a weapon or other object from your opponent. Your opponent falls to the ground or is pushed back, for example, through a doorway or a cliff. Now, again... We're t no, I don't. I don't want to go into that because that I think that's a house rule. Also, so we'll just go. Just keep reading here. I'm, I'm gonna think about if I'm gonna talk about uh, a couple options that uh, that I've seen. Your opponent falls to the ground or is pushed back. Okay, but you tire your enemy, inflicting one point of fatigue again. Agility damage. You counterattack against your enemy and inflict weapon damage. This is like a repost. You cannot increase this damage by using several. So that several successes. So. You don't get to add additional stunts on top of that. But note that you can choose to make a counterattack instead of stopping your opponent's attack. That means you may hit each other simultaneously. And this is why I do the simultaneous action. There are several limitations to the defense move. And I wish this would have been put on top. You know, instead of telling what happens with you know, success is let's do these limitations first because they tell when you could use them. But here we go. You must declare that you defend before the attacker rolls his dice. So I'm about to attack you. You're like, ah, I'm going to defend. Okay, not a problem. How about this? I'm going to attack you. I roll the dice. Oh, that's a lot of successes. I choose to defend. Nope, it's too late, pal. And yes, if I missed, well, your defense is wasted. But again, it's risk reward. If you defend, you lose your next action. In this turn, if you haven't... So this is allowing you to move outside of your normal combat order. In this turn, if you haven't acted yet, otherwise in the next turn. But you keep your maneuver. So whatever your next action is, if you haven't acted this round, then you lose your action for this round. If you've already used an action this round, you can still defend, but you lose your action. Remember, that's the longer one for next round, but you keep your maneuver. You can only defend yourself against one attack per turn. 
if you get attacked again the same turn, you can't defend again. Now, there are is it a talent or a mutation that allows you to get around this, or maybe both? For most of these type of rules, there are talents or mutations that help you get around it. But you have to take those, and those cost either character creation points or random rolls or experience points, whatever. If the attacker uses a close combat weapon of some kind, but you don't, so this means your fisticuffs, he's coming at you with that spiked axe, you get a minus two modification to your defense roll. Arms do not do a good job of blocking weapons. Grappling. As a stunt, when you fight someone, you can choose to grapple him. To break loose, your opponent needs to win an opposed roll for fight against you. So, you both roll fight. Because he's struggling to get free, right? Ah! Struggling to get free. Uh, and you're holding him in place. You roll the fight. There are talents that you let you use agility in, in place of strength. Or, yes, in place of strength. And I created a talent. I'm only going to say uh, with the name of it, I'm not going to go into it, but I created a talent that I add to my games called Ground and Pound. But uh, you can imagine what that is. But this rule counts as an action for your opponent, but not for you. While pinned, your opponent can perform no other action requiring physical movement. So you can speak, try to manipulate, you can do some other stuff, but can't do anything physical because you're holding them down. You've got them wrestled to the ground. Or you. Yeah, theoretically, you haven't wrestled standing up. Either way, he has to break loose in order to do anything. While grappling someone, the only physical action you can perform is a grapple attack. This counts as a close combat attack with these differences. You can't use a weapon. You get a plus two modification. Your enemy cannot defend against this attack. So I'm actually going to look. No, I'm not. This has come up with some weird situations of... This is why I developed the Ground and Pound talent, where people wanted to do weird things while grappling. I have some people say, no, grappling just means you're hugging, you shouldn't be able to do anything. Or other people are like, no, I can actually do a lot of hurt to you by grappling. And it says that it's, that's actually an attack. I made a compromise. Uh, this is the second time, and I did the Ground and Pound thing. And so now if you have the Ground and Pound ta ta talent... You can use your action to absolutely hurt somebody, to mess them up while you're pinning them down. Again, that's a house rule. You're probably going to say it's unneeded. Probably is unneeded. Your table may vary. And I'm going to go, uh, we're going to move on. This isn't about house rules. So, when you attack someone at distance, okay, now, now we're talking about range combat, right? When you attack someone at distance, you roll for the shoot skill. You need a ranged weapon. If only a rock. So anything that's ranged, throwing a rock, shooting a gun, using a blowgun for you know with a dart, whatever, that's all going to be the shoot skill. Remember, this game only has twelve core skills. Everything is done nice and simply like that, and and it's fine. It works. It isn't so rules light that you don't have meaningful you know differences, but it also isn't so rules clunky where the rules get in the way. So, uh, tail page 87 indicates a range of each weapon, and uh, we might get to that. But cover, you cannot defend yourself against ranged attacks. So there is no defense. Instead, you'd be wise to seek cover. Can't parry a bullet, you're not Wonder Woman. 
The farther away your target is, the harder it is to hit. That just kind of makes sense, right? So let's look at those modifications. At arm's length, arm's length, at arm's length, it's minus three. Caveat. Does not apply for defenseless enemies. Now, why would you think that arm's length, because a lot of people complain about this, it's minus three. That's minus three dice. It means it's harder to hit somebody at arm's length. Right. If you're grappling somebody, if you're trying to sh shoot them like that, it is not easy to do. It really isn't. You can do it. Especially if you say, whoa, 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 man, hey, whatever. Bam. You know, you absolutely pull it in and, you know, and shoot. But arm's length assumes uh, some grappling some pushing some shoving whatever is going on and you're trying to get a firearm in there and angle that thing where you guys are pushing and turning and whatever that's why it's minus three you can absolutely still do it it's just gonna be at minus three dice near remember near is just a few yards away that's like from me to you know behind my computer at the wall here okay that's no issues short range is minus one again that goes out to what about 100 yards and long range uh is minus two Okay. Before you shoot, you can spend one maneuver, again, the fast action, to aim carefully. That gives you a plus one modification. If you also have some solid piece of cover to lean on, so you're bracing, the bonus increases to plus two. So if you aim and you brace, you can get a plus two. Obviously, that's not going to work at arm's length. <laughs> You must aim and fire in the same turn. You cannot save the bonus for a, for a later turn. Reloading. Jury rigged firearms are no normally loaded with one bullet at a time. Remember I said that at the beginning. Artifact items might be a little different, but uh, scrap items or scrap guns, one bullet at a time. And remember, bullets are also your currency. Every time you shoot, you're literally shooting money away. Every time uh, you have fired a shot, you need to spend one maneuver to reload the weapon. So if you you're you're not going to be doing any running and gunning with these things. If you want to move, you're going to have to move and re you can you can move and reload in the same round and then next round aim and shoot. Absolutely, but that takes up two rounds to to get one bullet off. Just remember that. Oh, hello, cat. You back? Over here so they can see you. Have a cat. And nobody ever gets to see you. Come here. Okay, ignore me. Come here. Come here. Here you go. There we go. There's Nova Cat. This is my, uh, the cat that's always afraid of everything. And he hates the feral cat. You got your head now. That's right, buddy. All right, Nova Cat. I gotta get back to this. And yes, for Battletech fans, he's named Nova Cat. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So every time, you, every time you fire a shot, you need to spend one maneuver to reload the weapon until you can fire again. Bows and slingshots also need to be prepared with one maneuver before they can be fired. It's pretty consistent across the board. Please don't rub your head on my microphone. They might be able to hear that. Weirdo. Clip. Some artifact guns have a clip that holds several rounds. Clip or magazine. Letting you fire again and again without reloading. You don't need to keep track of how many bullets remain in the clip. Just assume it lasts until the end of combat. That is an important feature. It's kind of an important feature of the Year Zero engine games as a whole. Outside of Twilight 2000, which actually does count bullets to some degree. 
multiple barrels. Some jury rig firearms, page 54, and certain artifacts have two or more. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, apparently, saliva is not made out of oxygen. Um, have two or more barrels. You know, your double barrel shotgun, right? Load with one bullet each. You can only fire one barrel at a time, but you don't need to reload until both the barrels have been discharged. Yeah, but there are guns that you can pull the trigger twice. Look, this is a different game universe. You can shoot one at a time. Get over it. And it's the same type of stuff here. Not going to read through these stunts. I'll, I'll leave it on the screen there for a moment. You can pause if you want. Oh, oh, wow. Let me look at chat here. Sorry, again, without Heathen Dog here to... to... Okay, you guys are talking about something else. No problem. Full auto fire. Some rare artifact weapons are capable of full automatic fire. When firing full auto, roll as usual for the shoot skill. You can push the roll normally, but it will cost you one extra bullet. You can then continue to push the roll again and again. You see that? You can push multiple times. Every reroll costs you one bullet. As usual, you risk fatigue and the web. What do you? So what do we mean by that? Why do you risk fatigue? Because if you push a roll and you take attribute damage from that push, sorry, attribute trauma from that push, it's fatigue because the shoot skill comes off your agility. Damage to agility is called fatigue. And the weapon risks being damaged every time you reroll. Same as pushing the roll, you just get to do it multiple times. Barrels overheating now. Remember, these aren't high-quality weapons, right? As usually, you can push the roll as many times as you want until you run out of bullets or until you collapse or the weapon breaks. When firing full auto, you can... Uh, so this is still firing full auto up here, full auto fire, chapter heading. When firing full auto, you can... Uh, direct wow a pushed roll including the first one against a different target the first success you roll for the new target will inflict weapon on that target so let's say you rolled and you got one success but you want more successes you want to hit multiple people one success wasn't good enough for you you can hold because you don't re-roll the success right you hold on to that for the first target and you say that your pushed roll let's say you get two successes on after pushing well those two are going to the second target you can do that I actually don't see that done a lot. Then again, my experience with this game isn't as much as with some others. So, so here we go. Gear bonuses. Anytime you use a weapon, you have a bonus over an unarmed opponent. That's just normal. So do any of you remember? See if we can get Chad off the argument for a moment and see. Do any of you remember? You have a blunt instrument. So you've, get, you've got a chair leg. And you smack somebody with it. You push the roll and you take a point of gear damage. What happens? I'll wait to see if chat brings it up. In the meantime, it's got a bonus of plus one. So that means you have plus one die to the roll because you'll have a gear die added to this. And you're trying to figure out well, what's gear die? What's what's a uh, skill die? What, what are base die? Go watch. Which episode? I think it's the episode on skills. That's where we talked about that. And we even did some example rolls. It does one point of damage. So that's one initial point. Every success through your choice, if you choose to do so, can be an extra point of damage. Down here, the scrap axe, if it hits you, does three points of damage. Now, 
Every extra, extra success is only one additional point of damage, but it defaults to three points of damage. And of course, you could wear armor and so forth. And then it tells the, uh, the range of it right here. I forget what jury rig means, but these comments, these are like uh, flags. Uh, what, what are they also called in other games? Talents, ticks, tri uh, tricks, tips, whatever. Um, these are things that will affect the game. This is a light weapon, which means it only takes up. Remember when we talked about endurance back, uh, I think, in the first video? This means it only takes up half a line. Is there a heavy one? Yeah, this is a heavy one. This one takes up two lines. What is that? Oh, a scrap axe? That's big. That's a big two-handed weapon, so it takes up two lines. It's a little cumbersome. So, but these are features of the weapon that need to be considered as you're using it. And it probably tells what they are on the next page or something. I know this is a long chapter, but we are going to go through this. You're going to understand combat by the time we're done. All right, so bonus indicates how many gear dice the weapon gives you to roll. Remember we talked about here? I already said that. This plus one down here. This one, look, a baseball bat gives you a plus two. And since nobody put it in chat, I will mention it. When it takes gear damage, a blunt instrument takes one point of gear damage and it's broken. It's done. You can't use it. Now, it's repairable until it takes more damage. So you can repair it back up to that plus one. But there you go. It's plus one. What's cool about this bat, this baseball bat has plus two. So if it takes a point of damage, gets a little stress fracture and it got a little crack in it, who cares? You can still use it again. Only with plus one die instead of plus two dice. But you can still use it. That one point of damage simply takes off the gear die. Now, if it takes a second point of damage, it becomes broken. And remember, what does broken mean? Incapacitated, non-functioning, and so forth. If you got the machete, same thing. You know, it takes gear damage. Maybe the handle is a little wobbly now, or it's dulled blade or a chip, something. You know, just instead of plus two, it's plus one. But you can still use it. And it's always better to have a weapon versus somebody who's unarmed. Especially for the purposes of fighting. Because remember, that person's going to be at a minus two to fight you. So, bonus indicates how many gear dice the weapon gives you. Damage indicates how many points of damage. We already talked about this. I, I explained it. I don't have to. Okay, so scrap weapons can be constructed by a gearhead, which is one of the rules. That's what scrap weapon means. Okay. Let's see. Uh, light weapons only take up half a line. Yep. A flamethrowers require a dose of booze. That's right. Let's say that again. Flamethrowers require one dose of booze for every attack. That's its ammunition. And we've talked about booze a little bit. We kind of glossed over. But we talked about booze in other uh, other videos, and we'll talk about it when we get to the damage and trauma of this game as well. But so there, there's reason to have that uh, moonshine distillery. So it's all right, crafting gamer. Just trying to stay interactive with chat and uh, get people back without arguing. It, it, as most of you know, if anybody's new here. I don't censor chat unless you say those things will get me kicked off of uh, YouTube, but I do ask that people are civil, but I can't make you be civil. It's the internet. Uh, just, you know, if you're having a discussion, having an argument, you're welcome to have at it. I won't stop it. Oh. Although I prefer, we're supposed to be talking about Mutant Year Zero. <laughs> Scrap cannons are heavy weapons not easily moved by hand. Artifacts. Sets weapons. We'll, we'll look at some artifacts later. I wanted to see what jury rig was. 
for some I have a funny feeling jury rig is this, but I could be or it could be um you know what the gearhead the gearhead can create it. That's true, it's not a real discussion if everyone agrees. That's that's fair. That's fair. Trauma. All right, all right. You know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to break this up into two videos. I have no chat starred. You guys were talking about other stuff there. Not, a, not an issue. So I think with this, I'm going to end this video and we're going to move into trauma for the next video. That way, at least when this comes out to YouTube later this week, that uh, they're a little shorter because I know that one was kind of long and th this one's going to take a little bit of time. So trauma is going to include, you know, uh, armor, the damage types, how to recover from critical injuries. I don't think it's a lot of pages, but uh, it's uh, conditions. So, so we'll talk about trauma in the next video. So stand by and I'll see you then. And for you folks on the stream, yeah, let's start in just a moment here. Just going to break this up into two segments because uh, I think it would be better for the video side of it. Especially, uh, especially since Heathen Dog's not here with a segment two. This will let me have two videos come out this week, so... I appreciate your patience. Chat is not good enough. We are failing, Max. You guys never fail me. But I fail you. <laughs> All right. All right, we are going to continue on. We're talking about conflict and trauma in... Uh, near zero, your zero engine. I'm going to keep the same screen here. I wasn't planning on breaking this up, but I just realized after that last video went pretty long that uh, it's probably better to break up this part of it into a second video, so a little bit more digestible. But uh, no, please like, subscribe, share. I didn't say that last time. See again, I don't have Heathen Dog to keep me doing things the right way. <laughs> like, subscribe, share. So what we're going to talk about here, we're going to continue on with what we were talking about from the last video. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna move into uh, trauma, damage, how to protect yourself from damage, how to take the damage, and I think it go no, I think rot might be next week. I forget if rot is in this portion or not, but we'll find out in just a moment, right? So until then, bear with me because I gotta find. Oh yeah, this one. The core values of hashtag #RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity please follow that qr code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support which is the wounded warrior project thursdays and saturdays you can watch the dirty casuals on twitch.tv slash legion of myth fridays and sundays you can watch the friday night chill stream and rpg digest on our youtube and rumble channels Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. I keep forgetting that that one has that weird subscribe thing in there. Subscribe! <laughs> what is that? Somehow it rendered the video or the audio weird. Yeah, whatever. All right, but I appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, share. Now let's talk about Trump. All right. Here we go. I know we've, we've said this a few times, but I've really got to... We can now put a pin in it. Really talk about it. There are four types of trauma in mutineers here. Each type will decrease one of the four attributes. 
the trauma uh, so the, you indicate the trauma you suffer by using the checkboxes on your character sheet uh oh, i don't have a character sheet up oh. it's the circles you can see the circles at the top part up up over there there we go damage when the term damage is used in the book now when we say damage we use it as just universal injury but no in this game damage specifically means bruises bleeding wounds and broken bones it decreases the character's strength fatigue physical exhaustion sweating and panting decreases character's agility confusion Lack of clarity, bewilderment, and misjudgment decreases your wits. And lastly, doubt, lack of confidence, distrust, disappointment, and sadness decreases your empathy. Each one of these has a specific method for healing. And each one of these has, we'll say, an interesting effect when you're broken. And also, yeah, uh, I should have said recovery instead of healing. But you can suffer trauma in several different ways. You can fight, okay? We all know that one. We can, we can move on. If you've ever played a role-playing game before, you know, you know that. But what are, what are some other ways? Well, first of all, when you roll the biohazard symbol, when you push a roll, remember, that's a one on the attribute die. This is it's only true if it's on this yellow one here. And I don't have the nice clear ones. I have these right here. But if you roll that, that's attribute damage. And then, you know, anyway, I was going to show success, but there's no reason for me to do that. Uh, you'll suffer one point of trauma. Now, the thing is, and I think we'll get into it a little bit, you cannot suffer critical injury. You can be broken. Yes, you can put yourself into a state of inability to, to act or move by doing this, but you cannot suffer critical injury. Uh, all right. Do, 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 um, see from exposure to the rot oh yes rot and rot is going to be covered next week it might be a little bit here but it's mostly going to be covered next week when we talk about zone travel so you want to protect yourself from damage gearheads can build armor from scrap or you can find it out there in the zone uh, the effect of armor is determined by the armor rating. Now, this is where things are a little different. And again, I've mentioned this on past videos, but I've got to say it again, a little different in the different Year Zero Engine games. I might be wrong about this. I don't know why I can't remember Forbidden Lands off the top of my head. But I want to say the more fantasy-oriented games use the die roll method, and the more science fiction-oriented games use the just the specific number. Doesn't matter. Here, it's the die roll method. So. You can only wear one type of armor at a time. God, I hate it when players do that. I'm going to wear padded, then chain, and then playmail armor. That makes me stronger, right? You can't move. What, what my strength? Ah. No. You only wear one type of armor. When you suffer damage, roll a number of gear dice equal to the armor rating. Okay. So this isn't a strict number. This is the armoring. So if you have a, a armor rating six... You roll six dice for every success. Remember that that, no, that thing's a success. You roll the damage you suffer is reduced by one. Little nuanced portion here that is sometimes forgotten. Hopefully the players remember. <laughs> They'll want to. 
unless all of the damage is absorbed for every failure uh, bane you roll oh i can't highlight it the armor rating is decreased by one so if you take three points of damage and you roll the dice to resist that damage and let's say you get two successes. You get two of the, the nuke symbols up here. Two successes, great. You still take one point of damage. Three damage was done to you. You rolled two successes. You still have one point of damage that you take. If any of the dice that you rolled was also a Bane, the little fire bonnie symbol here. Let's see if I've got one of those dice to show you. Sure I do. There we go. A little, little fire symbol there. Or if you're rolling a 1 on a normal d6 uh, for your gear die, the armor is going to be decreased by 1. Now, what, happ what happens? Can somebody put in chat? You rolled 6 dice, and the worst of the worst statistical anomaly happens, and you roll all 1s. You get all what's that, little fiery symbols. Again, you have armor rating of 6. You've rolled all this. Can anybody in chat tell me what happens? The armor roll does not count as an action and cannot be pushed. Yeah, you can't you can't put extra oomph behind your armor. Armor has no effect against damage uh, from dehydration, starving, hyperthermia, or from pushing dice rolls. So what happens? Somebody's still typing. Well, still put it in chat. We'll see if you're right. So what happens? Remember, this is not an action that you're taking. This is a passive thing. You're just wearing armor. So there's no pushing the roll. There's no there's no fight skill involved with this. There's no there's nothing that's moving forward, right? You're not doing a fight skill that you can push. It's something that's passive. It's just there to protect you. If you are hit and you take one or more points of damage, and you roll all six fire symbols on your armor, you take one point of damage, and your armor is destroyed. Well, I'm sorry, it's broken. Because <laughs> you've lost all six points of it. I've never seen that happen. I'm sure it can. I mean, statistically, it technically can happen. If you roll two fire symbols... You lose two points hour, so go from a six to a four. That means you're rolling four dice the next time. A little chunk was taken out of it, a big hole was put into it, whatever. The caveat being, if the person rolls three damage to you, and you roll four successes and two banes, so four sixes and two ones, you absorbed all the damage. That four was more than enough to stop the three damage. Therefore, your armor suffers nothing. All right. So, anyhow, that's 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 enough on armor. Uh, the system where it's just a static number, like used in uh, Coriolis and so forth, is easier. But I think the the die roll method represents mutant year zero better, where you're just wearing a bunch of scrap and you're hoping that it works. Gearheads can also make shields from road signs, trash can lids, and other kinds of scrap. They work just like armor and typically have an armor rating of three. You can carry a shield and wear armor at the same time. 
When you get hit, first roll for the shield, then for the armor. And in one of my character creation videos, did I do that? Where I had a character with nine armor? Oh, though, that was the Mechatron robot. And some mutations can protect you from damage as well. Cover. When you enter a firefight, finding cover may save your life. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. Taking cover counts as a maneuver. Cover has a protection rating and works exactly like armor, but is only effective against ranged attacks. Cover is also reduced by that. So you're hiding behind a brick wall. Well, that brick wall can fall apart, especially since it's not there's no upkeep on it. It's after the world. You know, things just don't hold together as well as they used to. And this tells what the uh, you know, typical um, cover is. So you got a brick wall. It's got an armor. Uh, basically, it has an armor rating of six. Cover can also be used to rest your arms and shooting. We talked about shooting from cover a little bit ago. All right, so what happens? Let's scroll down here because I think I missed you. Yeah. So what happens? Broken. Again, that's that term. You take damage. When an attribute score hits zero, so let's say you're that enforcer and you've got that five strength. Yeah, look at me. I'm as strong as you can be, buddy. You can't get stronger than me. I have five strength. Mm. Well, at some point, you might take enough damage to bring that down to zero. Or you might be the 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 moving uh, the I don't want to always use range combat, but it's easy, you know. Kind of the thiefy uh, uh range combat dude, whatever. And you're and you're Agility gets taken down to zero, either through pushing rolls or somebody decides to deal a trauma to agility. Well, if any attribute gets down to zero, you are broken. Right there, you are broken. You've had enough and lack the will or ability to keep going. Will would be for empathy and wits. Ability would be for agility and strength. Exactly what it means to be broken depends on what attribute has been depleted. Strength. You're knocked out or you're in paralyzing pain. Either way, you are unable to move and being broken by damage is much more dangerous than other types because it also means you suffer a critical injury. And in other games, not this one, that can happen on the mental side as well. But uh, you don't have to worry about that here. Critical, And we'll look at the critical injury chart in, in a moment. Agility, you're physically exhausted. You just cannot move on. You decide, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to sit down. Ugh, I got to take a break. I can't move anymore. And you can't. You're done. You're, you're not moving. Wits, your brain is overloaded and you can't strength, uh, think straight. You're confused. You're so frustrated that, uh, that you can't solve the problem, whatever. You're shell-shocked. Hold. You can, you can express this different ways. And empathy... You break down in fear, self-pity, or sorrow. Interestingly, um, a couple of the other games actually say you must either rage out against anything near you, including friends. I'm going to say, no, no, you start kicking and breaking things or the self-pity. This one just says you break down in fear, self-pity, so you don't have to start breaking stuff. <laughs> it's probably because enough is broken anyway. But when broken, you cannot use any skills, perform actions, or activate uh, mutations. Players are going to try to find, well, if I'm just confused, then this should, no. You have a zero attribute. Anytime you have a zero attribute, you're done. You're drooling on yourself. You're in pain, and all you can do is go, oh, mommy, mommy, whatever. You are not taking any real actions. 
Uh, you can do a maneuver. Fast way to recover from, uh, from being broken is for someone else to successfully heal you. Remember, that is an empathy skill. In most cases, though, you don't need to be healed to get back on your feet. You want to be. I'll tell you this right now. You want to be. As long as you're not dehydrated, starving, or hypothermic, which we'll look at below. Those are conditions. Okay? And conditions affect attributes as well. But as long as you're not suffering a condition, you recover after D6 hours, even if no one heals you. Want to be clear about this. I, I know the book is going to say it, but but I'm going to bring it up here. This only heals attribute trauma. So if you're reduced from five to zero in one D6 hours. Okay. So I rolled a four in four hours. I will recover one attribute point. And let's just for the sake of argument, say that it was strength. I now have one strength. I'm still hurt, but I, I can at least act. I can think clearly enough to act. I've come out of my unconscious state, whatever. It does not affect critical injuries. This means if you broke your ankle, you still have a broken ankle and suffer whatever the critical injury says. Really, all this means is you are now conscious and able to do something. It doesn't heal your critical injuries, just the attribute damage. I hope we got that. So, once you're back on your feet, you can recover the rest of your trauma with the help of resources, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Critical injuries. If you are broken by damage and have suffered a critical injury, you might die unless someone heals you in time. Read more below, okay? Coup de gras. When broken, you are an easy target. An enemy can attempt to give you coup de gras and kill you outright. To do this, he only needs to make a fight or shoot roll. As long as he rolls one success, you are dead. Conversely, you can finish off broken enemies in the same way. You don't know. No. I, I tweak this a little bit because I like the Forbidden Lands rules. I'll just say it there. And Forbidden Lands is another user engine game. How do you do that? There's no willpower in this one. Not for this video. Recovery. To recover trauma and restore lost attribute points, two things are needed. At least four hours of rest. Hey, that's what I rolled too. A resource depending on the type of trauma. Now this might seem overly simplistic to you or not make sense. This isn't reality. Well, again, it's a game and there's some game aspects to it. Think of this as the universal constant of the universe that we're playing in. It's different than Earth. A ration of food point per strength to be restored. So you can use grub. I wish it would have said grub here because this game likes to call grub. You can use one grub to heal one strength. So you might be sitting like, dude, I got eight grub. That's that's two lines on my character sheet. I've got food up the wazoo, do you? Because if you take strength damage, you're going to be using that grub to heal yourself. Okay. Well, you can say that if you want, Mr. Max, but it's called coup de gras here. Maybe we do that just to piss off the French. I don't know. So, I'm not speaking Kanadistanian. <laughs> anyway. Um, let's see. Agility. Oh, so, is a ration of water. Well, just, just so you know, uh, Perfect Tangent, he is French-Canadian, so, you know, he would know more than 
than me and my four years of French. But uh, I know in English, we do pronounce it coup de gras. Or American English. I don't know what the hell the Canadians and Brits do. I don't care. They speak weird anyway. <laughs> they put use. They put use in words. What's up with that? But uh, it's a ration of water. So again, you're using your survival mechanic to heal yourself. Food heals strength. Water heals agility. One ration per point. So if you're carrying one line, remember, one line is four rations. A full line on your inventory. Oh, I didn't tell you. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's always been, maybe it's a Minnesotan thing. I don't know. But uh, it's always been pronounced coup de gras everywhere I've ever heard it. If that's wrong, then then literally my entire life for 50 years, everybody's been pronouncing it wrong. Anyway, um, which would be awesome. <laughs> John, that would be awesome. Uh, wits, at least four hours of sleep restores all wits, all wits, all wits. One point for agility and strength, all wits for sleep. And empathy, a moment of closeness with another mutant. Basically, have a roleplay session, and empathy comes back. The other years of engine games do a little bit differently. Um, in fact, when we do uh, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha starting in a couple of weeks, uh, there's a different course it's not called empathy there, but uh, <laughs> uh, your resources need. I know, uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. You, look, look, tangent time because it's a live stream. The people watching on YouTube video later will be be angry, but whatever. Um, I pronounced the word esoteric wrong for many, many, many years. I pronounced it esoteric. Nobody ever said it around me. And man, did somebody mock the crap out of me? I was like 30 years old or something at that time. And I was like, you don't know how to pronounce the word. Wrong. I was like, nobody ever pronounced it around me. It's esoteric. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know. <laughs> so, uh, but the other things are just you know, colloquialisms, and I can tell you, like, so Crafty says he's always heard it my way. Uh, two others are saying it should be uh, grass. Okay, I'll do it the right way. Whatever the proper way to do it is what I'll do for for American English. But ultimately, I'm just saying I've always heard it coup de gras. If it is something else, I'm willing. I'm willing to do it the proper way. There's a word I used to read all the time, and I can't remember what it is. I'd read it in a book. It's a word I was, I was exposed to all the time, and I cannot remember what it is for years and years and years in all these books, and I always pronounced it wrong. That wasn't esoteric. Uh, but uh, there's another one. Anyway, it's like, oh, because <laughs> everybody around me pronounced it wrong. And uh, when I tell people that, no, you know, we're pronouncing it wrong, they're like, eh, I don't care. I do care. I will try to pronounce it correctly. All right, enough of that tangent. Let's get back to this. Uh, some mutations let you uh, recover trauma instantly, requires no resources, only mutation points, and we talked about those before. Now we're getting into critical injuries. Being broken is always bad. Well, yeah, weeping. Uh, melee, that's another one. I have people tell me it should be melee or melee or melee or whatever. Look, you know what? I look as, I, I hear them all. Melee sounds a little weird for me, but melee or, or melee? I will sometimes resort to melee attack because I've heard people say that so often around me that I get caught up in that. But I usually, if I'm my normal expression, as I call it a melee attack, 
But some people are like, no, the accent's on Malay. Okay, well, you know what? I, I hear so many people pronouncing it wrong. It's like people say anyway or anyways. The real word's anyway, no S on the end of it. But so many people say it with the S. What are you going to do? All right, enough of the English lesson. Let's get back to this. <laughs> uh, being broken is always bad, but being broken by damage is especially dangerous. It can mean death. It literally can. For the character, obviously not for the player. Before you're broken, damage points represent bruises and minor cuts. Painful, but quickly recovered with some rest and a little grub to give you new energy. But when your strength falls to zero, you suffer critical injury. By the way, I'm going to backtrack for just a second. One of the things I want you guys to think about next week, if you're watching next week, is how easy it is to die at the beginning of the game. Or, or no, 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 no. How hard it is to heal at the beginning of the game and the importance of building up your arc. Because we're going to talk about building up your arc next week. And how, yeah, the game does have a death spiral to it, but it also has methodologies you have to you have to earn it you have to you have to make it happen but if you build up your arc successfully enough that ration of food to heal you isn't such a big deal anymore where it is when you first start the game so um anyway uh when your strength falls is you zero so this uh, for this version of the game what i mean by that for mutant year zero it only happens with strength when your strength falls to zero uh, yeah, I say paper mache. I always forget what the uh, what you're supposed to do with the circumflex on top of the a. No, no, that is, yeah, yeah, that's the circumflex, isn't it? Yeah, whatever. Or is the circumflex the little c thing underneath the cat? Why am I worried about language right now? <laughs> See, you guys, sidetrack me. You know me, easy sidetrack. Stop it. <laughs> let's, let's get back to say cat. Uh, all right. See, and you were talking before about how chat is doing me wrong. No, now you're doing me wrong. Ah. Uh, on fun, on fun. Let's do this. So let's look at cat. Cat, don't don't headbutt me. Don't headbutt me, buddy. I'm I'm on a live stream right now. Roll a d66. So what is a d66? Well, it's the same as percentile dice, but with d6s. You're just off the screen. They can't see you, buddy. Can't see you. Here. There. I'm giving him a little bit of food, so maybe he'll show his head. There you go, Nova Cat. He's trying to find ways of being out more because he hides constantly because of the feral cat. And the feral cat's doing nothing wrong. Feral cat's awesome, by the way. But uh, so now he's trying to take a moment to be like, look, I'm out in the open. But a D66 is just like percentile dice where you roll two 10-siders and one's high, so one's 10s, and one's uh, low, which is the ones. So for the sake of argument, let's go. For me, I've got these two dice, right? So we're going to do the attribute or the base die. We're going to do this 10s, and we're going to do the gear die as ones. So on the base die, I got a one, and on the gear die, I got a two. So that would be 12. I'd roll a 12 on the chart. So when we come down to the chart, which we'll look at right here, I would I have a 12, and what's a 12? Stunned. And we'll read what that is in a moment. Obviously, 12 is pretty low, so that's a good roll. If you're... Uh, he's, he's domesticating. He still has some feral, uh, feralness about him. I can't pick him up still. <laughs> No, but I can pet him. He's he's a he's a fun cat. He's actually a really fun cat. He's not aggressive. He chases the other ones around, but he's young. This cat's more aggressive, at least in actions. He hisses and growls all the time, but he runs away because he's a pussy cat. Um, anyway, 
If your critical if your critical injury is listed as lethal, when we look at the chart, if you notice a stone a second ago wasn't listed as lethal, someone must make a successful heal roll to save you. Otherwise, you die when the time period indicated has passed. If you get back up on your own accord, so remember, we talked above about broken and waiting that four hours and then uh, getting your attribute point back. So in this case, strength, and you've got one point of strength because nobody else is able to heal you. Then you can try to heal yourself with a minus two modifier to the roll. It's always easier for somebody else to heal you than for you to try, try to heal yourself. But you can do it. Separate out of your mind the attribute broken side of it versus the critical injury side of it. Critical injuries only happen when you're broken. We're going to go with that. When you're broken. Okay. Note there are two critical injuries that kill you outright. If you're either of these, that's it. Time to reduce Eric's population by one and create a new mutant. Yes, that can happen. This is, this is why I like this game. It's more of an old school style game where you can just die. Here, let's look at those right now. Uh, here we go. 65. If I roll a six and a five, pierced heart. Your heart beats one last time, then you die. Time to make a new PC. Crushed skull. You die instantly and will never see Eden. Severed jugular. Shouldn't you die right, right away? Well, the game gives you a D6 turns. So you got up to 60 seconds. Good luck getting healed, though. You know, there, now, there are a couple of talents that help with this. Just remember when we were talking about talents? We looked at the bone saw. Why would somebody want to take the bone saw? Who uh, Now do you care? <laughs> you might. So let's, uh, let's go back up here. And let's look, because it'll tell us what we should expect on that chart. Healing. Each critical injury has a specific effect that you suffered during the healing time indicated. The healing time indicated. That means while you're in that time frame, the critical injury affects you. And it's measured in days. If someone rolls to heal you during the process of healing a critical injury, the remaining healing time is reduced by half. So you're still not out of the woods. You'll have to wear that splint. You'll have to do it, but you know what? It's only half the time now. Half the time from that point. So let's say it was supposed to take five days to heal you. Half the time would be two and a half days. But let's say you didn't get healed for two days, so you have three days left. Well, that three days goes down to a day and a half. It's time remaining. So any roll to save your life does not count towards this heal roll. Those are different. Trauma, now that you can restore all of your strength, all damage points are recovered, but you still suffer the effects of your critical injury. So you can have that five strength, but you are still going to have whatever that critical injury was. And we'll roll another one uh, again. Those two dice are the same. And let's, let's roll out. Let's get something in the middle. Can we get something in the middle? Oh, 31. So 31 is in the middle. What's a 31? A 31 is biceps wound. Is it lethal? No. Bicep wound is not lethal. It's not going to kill you. So you don't have to worry about the time limit. Why? Because there's no lethality time limit. But what is the effect? Minus two to shoot and fight. Okay? So you can be minus two to shoot and fight. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. See, that's lethal. Doo. Okay. So the healing time for that is... Uh, by the way, this time limit is for death. 
This time limit is how long it takes to heal. So let's look at the 31 and see how long does it take to heal that bicep wound. So 31 minus 2 to shoot and fight. 2d6 days. All right, well, let's roll 2d6 days. I got 5 and a 4. Nine days! But if I'm healed, it drops down to 4.5. If I'm healed the next day, it drops down to 4. You see how that goes. So for 9 days, or if I'm healed for 4.5 days, I'm going to be at minus 2 to shoot and fight. Take someone else. Or use me for some other feature. And you can see the other... other ones here. Punctured lung. Let's look at punctured lung. So punctured lung is lethal, and you will die within a D6 days if you're not healed. You have D6 days to be healed from this. But that, that healing is separate from this healing. This is a separate healing, so you need one heal roll to keep you alive, and then another heal roll to reduce the healing time. And during that time, you're minus two to endure and move. Only minus two? Wow. There you go. Non-typical damage. Push damage. This case where you don't suffer critical injury. You cannot suffer critical injury when you are broken by pushing damage. It's that simple, all right? So if you pushed a roll and you took that attribute damage, you cannot, you cannot kill yourself by pushing a roll. But you can become broken. Now, there are four conditions. There's starving. Every day you must eat at least one ration of grub on top of whatever is needed to recover lost strength. So let's say you took two damage yesterday, or today. You need to eat one just to eat, and then you need two to recover that damage. If you only have two grub, well, guess what? One goes to eating for the day, and one goes to uh, the damage. Well, can I just put both the damage? No, because you have to eat one a day, and your body is naturally going to say, I ate one a day. Uh, you can, if broken by damage, you need to eat some grub, yeah. Uh, let's see. What's the next one? Dehydrated. Every day, oh, there are different options here. I'm not going to go uh, for, for everything here. We're just going to talk about the conditions. At this point, you know, if you really want to get into that nuanced, uh, the nuanced features of these conditions, just you'll want to play the game. Every day you must drink at least one ration of water on top of what is needed to recover lost agility. Otherwise, you start uh, suffering dehydration. By the way, this one's kind of cool. You cannot recover any type of trauma. Any type of trauma if you're dehydrated. I think the same is true for the food. But, uh, that means you're recovering. you don't get that recovery after four hours because you're dehydrated. Sleepless. Every day you must get at least four hours of continuous sleep. Only four hours? Yeah, hey, it's a different world, man. After one day without enough sleep, you become sleepless. You cannot recover confusion in any way. So basically, you're just out of it. Hypothermic. You can warm yourself by the old trash can. Fires are huddled up close to each other in or, uh, under an old tarpaulin and cloth when the zone is cold bitter. I'm sorry, when the zone cold is bitter. Out in the zone, the cold can be a threat as deadly as the rot. When you are exposed to a cold environment, the GM can make you roll to endure at regular intervals. It depends. It really depends. But the colder it is, the more often you must roll. Around the freezing point once per day or so is enough. In the deep atomic winter, you might need to roll every hour. If the roll fails, you become hypothermic. You immediately suffer one point of damage and one point of confusion. So what does that mean? One point off your strength and one point off of your wits. 
You may experience hallucinations. You keep rolling indoors, so and so. Booze. Remember we talked about, we finally get to talk about booze. Yeah, booze. When you're screaming in pain, when the hunger tears at your guts or when shivering in fear, you can dull your senses with booze. How is that healing? Hey, sometimes you just don't want to feel the pain, right? In the arc, gearheads can brew alcoholic drinks. Remember, gearhead is a role, effectively a character class you can be in the game, can brew alcoholic drinks from plants that they grow or find in the zone. At a later stage, the people can build a distillery that we'll talk about that. Well, maybe not the distillery itself, but we'll talk about that when we talk about building up the arc next week. One bottle of booze. This is the thing. I said it before. You grow the arc, it provides you better survival. Survival in the early phases of the game, the first few sessions, maybe 10 to 20 sessions can be can be rough. But once you get your arc starting to build up, then you can expand more. Then you can adventure more. Then you can try to find Eden more. Game isn't meant to be played in two sessions. It's meant to be played over the course of a full campaign. And a lot of that is building up your arc. And it's what I love about the Free League games, whether it's the arc, whether it's the resistances for Gen Lab Alpha, whether it's uh, the stronghold for uh, Forbidden Lands, or it's the, uh, the ship for Coriolis. I always love that they have this concept in the game that makes you, you need money, you need to adventure just, just to keep building up what you have. Make it better. One dose of booze immediately recovers one point of damage and doubt. Okay? Why? Because a drunk person's confident. Yeah! The drawback is that the booze also causes... Um, uh, yeah, that's confident. The drawback causes one point of confusion. So I hope you're not trying to solve any calculus right now. But you know what? The girls love you, don't they, when you're drunk and you don't feel a thing. Yes, uh, the full... Nobody says tarpaulin. I always have to think twice when I say it, but yes, tarp is short for tarpaulin. Yes. Furthermore, damage and doubt recovery of booze is temporary. After D6 hours, the trauma returns. Well, again, now maybe during that time, you've had the opportunity to eat. Okay. Darkness. You know, I'm not going to read that. That's just a modifier. Uh, to, to shooting and to scouting. Explosions. Explosions are neat in this game. At least I thought they were. In some parts of the zone, ground is covered by deep craters, traces of the ancients' mighty weapons. The force of an explosion is measured in blast power. I don't actually see people utilizing this a lot. I, I think it's because it seems confusing when it's not. When the detonation occurs, the GM or player whose PC built the bomb rolls a number of base dice equal to the blast power. So if you have a grenade, has got a blast power of seven, you roll seven dice. For each person within near range of the blast dice. That's right, for each person. Some people might not take any damage. Some people might take a lot. I have seen most game masters hand wave that and just roll once. I like to roll each time. But then again, I don't worry about a game being a little slower because of it. Because I like the chaos of war. I like the fact that it can completely obliterate you and turn you into just paste. And this person over here takes nothing. I, I like that. You might not. Do what works best for you at your table. For every success roll, the victim suffers one point of damage. It cannot be pushed. Why? Because it's not a skill. It's just a passive thing. Uh, pushing comes from you. 
It's your attributes. It's your knowledge and the skill. It's the gear that you're using. All that combined together, you putting in that little extra effort. A grenade can't have a little extra effort. So, you know, you can't push the roll. Victims at arm length from the detonation suffer one extra point of damage. So, because remember, uh, rolls number base dice, you know, each person in near range. Arm's length, that's right next to you. Or right next to the bomb. Hopefully not you, because you're taking that too. Powerful charges with uh, powerful charges with a blast power of seven or more can harm people even at short range. The blast power is then reduced by six. So at short range, it would be one. You roll one die and hope you get a success. If it's nine, well, then you're rolling three dice. You know, so that's a pretty powerful bomb, though. If there are many people within short range of the blast, the GM can simplify the process by rolling just one roll. Okay, I, I honestly, I didn't even realize that was written in the book. I've seen most people that I've seen do it that way. I, I don't. Um, normal explosions have a weapon damage of one. The damage is simply equal uh, to the... Okay, normal weapons... Sorry, I cannot talk. Normal explosions have a weapon damage of one. The damage is simply equal to the number of successes rolled. All right. Uh, explosions can harm vehicles. Vehicles. Now, this is going to be a little bit new to me because I don't deal a lot with vehicles. At least I haven't yet. In the zone, there are countless rust-ridden wrecks of vehicles from the old age. Only a few of them are in good enough condition for a gearhead to repair them and make run again. Several vehicles are described in the artifact cards. Gear bonus. Every functional vehicle has a gear bonus, which indicates how powerful and fast it is. The gear bonus can be increased by a gearhead souping up the engine. There's even a talent specifically for that. Start a vehicle. To jump into or onto a vehicle requires a maneuver, so the fast action. To start the engine of a motor-powered uh, vehicle takes another maneuver, so you can do you can jump in and start it up in one one turn. Thus, if you get into a vehicle and start the engine, you can do nothing else the same turn. Okay. Most vehicles require fuel to run gasoline from old age or freshly distilled booze. That wouldn't work in a real engine. Shut up! It's a game. The artifact description indicates how much fuel the vehicle consumes. Most uh. Vehicles carry passengers. Those are on the cards. Zone travel. Riding a vehicle. Exploring a sector in the zone map requires half the time compared to walking. If I forget to talk about this next week when we talk about zone travel, well, here it is right here. Whatever time I, I say it is next week when we talk about zone travel, you can now do it in half the time. In combat, you can move faster in a vehicle than on foot. Every maneuver spent on movement counts as two. So you spend one maneuver, but you get two maneuvers for example with only one maneuver you can move directly from short distance to arm's length or from long to short distance you would think that a vehicle can move a lot faster well guess what the ro roads aren't that good you're tra uh, driving around rubble you're there are a lot of things going on you're not like on a highway here going 90 90 miles an hour okay escaping from danger in a tight spot you can use your vehicle to escape roll move as usual but use the gear bonus of the vehicle so that gives you a bonus you know hop in that thing and drive away ramming enemies most vehicles can be used as weapons to simply run over your enemies it's always fun right the attack must occur at arm's length so the actual of course the actual attack portion of it occurs at you don't have to start there at the start of the turn remember you can you can do the move the maneuver to get there roll to fight but use your agility and your move skill instead the weapon damage is normally one, but can be increased by a gearhead. Damage to vehicles. Just like any other gear, vehicles can break down and lose gear bonus when you use them. 
When the gear bonus reaches zero, the vehicle won't start anymore and needs to be repaired. As with everything, it needs to be repaired. If it takes more damage, then it's destroyed. Some have armor rating for hull, ramming a vehicle. That's a bad idea. Although, again, there is a, uh, is the gearhead gets a talent for that if you want to take it. Uh, but only if your vehicle is equal or higher resiliency rating than the target vehicle. Yeah, you don't want to take like a little Vespa and try to ram into uh, you know, a minivan. <laughs> and I think that's it. I know I didn't go through all the specifics of vehicle, but that's because it's not, uh, it's not horribly important for this. If you want to know more about vehicle combat, you'll buy the book. Next week, we will talk about the Ark. So that is it. The Ark is, the, is your home. It's what you build up. And then after that, I don't know what page it's on. Can I? Uh, yep. And the last thing we will cover next week, we're going to cover both zone travel and the arc. Zone travel will be the longer segment because the arc, we're just going to talk about what it is, how to upgrade it, show a couple of upgrades. Uh, and then the technology, uh, was it? Uh, is it technology modified? No, what the hell is it? I forget what it's called. Uh, but essentially it's, the level of uh, what the what the arc is and your four major crafting areas. We're going to spend more time on zone travel because it's more important to the game and for your understanding. So I will look at chat, although I pretty much have been looking at chat. So. Put a cow catch on a Volvo. You can, you can have your, uh, your gearhead do that. Effectively, that's how you say that it has higher gear rating. Okay. You want to strap a, a cow catcher to it? Great. You got some bars, you put them together. Got some scrap, you're making it work. Make your roll. Oh, you made your roll? Great. Okay, it is now improved. The gear rating of the vehicle is improved by one for the purposes of ramming. Yep, you can do that. Right. Uh, F11 that, so I can move it over here. Get you guys back over here. So if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about... Uh, Combat and trauma you can do that. I broke it up into two videos. They're both going to have the same graphic, probably. I don't think I'm going to change one to combat, one to trauma, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. So, uh, yeah, anywho, I, I hope those, uh, it's about two hours. So I'm guessing about an hour and a half for the first. No, yeah, about an hour and 15 minutes for the first one and 45 minutes for this one, is my guess. That worked out but i don't see any updated questions comments concerns in the chat there so you folks who are watching like subscribe share like subscribe share and next week like i said arc zone travel then we move into mutant gen lab alpha and that will be fun because uh i love mutant gen lab alpha and it's got some idiosyncrasies about it that make uh that that are fun and after that, about, I think we have three weeks of Mutant Gen Lab Alpha because I won't be covering the skill because that's, that's a long chapter. I'll be covering the differences, like talking about what instinct is versus empathy and, and what that means, but, uh, but won't be really covering the skill system because it's here and it's the same skill system as this. But then we'll have Mutant Mechatron for three weeks after that. That's my favorite one. That might surprise some people thinking that it should be Gen Lab Alpha. And then we'll go into Mutant Elysium, which... Be honest with you, I don't care about. I'm I'm not a fan of Mutant Elysium. Not that I think it's bad. It belongs in the universe. It's just not my cup of tea. Uh, I prefer the mutant side of it. Go. All right. Hope to see you then.
Right, we will get no skipping segment two because there is no segment two today because no heathen dog. So we are going to do do our normal segment three where I'm going to look over some YouTube comments. It's also our time for your call-ins. Remember, if you're going to call in today, it's all about Mutant Year Zero Combat. If you don't have any questions, combats, combats, wow, questions, comments, concerns about Mutant Year Zero com combat or trauma, uh, that's that's what the topics are for uh, for the call-in. I'll get the link out there in a moment, but uh, most of you already know this, but if you don't, those are the rules. Uh, get the link out there. Call in. And over on the rumble side. So check your audio and your surroundings. Don't need to hear the weird stuff going on in your neighborhood. One question, one question or comment related to segment one or two. There was no segment two today. I'll respond. You can have a follow-up to my response, and then you're done. Because it's like a radio show calling. And watch the language. I already said a poop word one time. I don't need to do that again. In the meantime, while we're doing that, I am going to look over comments from last week's show. That means I have to zoom in here. Zoom way in here and share this on the screen. And let's let's read what people had to say about our shenanigans last week. All right. So Adam Simpson here. Oh, it's a comment to a comment. Um, I am going to send this to Heathen Dog, though, because I think it's a good idea. Uh, Grand House Records. I think he's somebody I commented on. I'll get you in a second, Mark Hawkman. All right. Three best game master decisions. Any way to get a riff episode for encounters, please. I'll talk to Heathen Dog about that. Especially since you put all those E's in there. Emma Harkman, what you got? Well, speaking of Game Master decisions. Oh, well, um, we're talking about Mutant Year Zero, Mutant Year Zero Combat. Yes. Um, how uh, much do you think would be a good amount of combats uh, when playing the game? We mean like per session, per day, per year, per month? Um, yeah, let's go with per session. Like, you know, it's like, just like, what is the right balance of combat and non-combat when playing the game? Well, with, with uh, Rot Ghouls, uh, I usually figure one combat every couple of in-game days. Because that allows them to fight, allows them to recover. Uh, and since Rot Ghouls, you really can't negotiate with. I mean, yeah, we'll go there. Uh. You, that's gonna somebody's gonna get hurt and instead of saying well we're hurt we can't play anymore because some character some players will want to do that because they look at the dice they look at the death spiral and they freak out i say well you know every couple of uh in-game days also but the, when you what you're gonna find out is when it comes to zone travel it's kind of random hmm. now the the next part about that if it's npcs that can socialize i say two or you know two or three times a day. Why so much? Because you can always talk and you can always walk around. You can always say, hey, there's something up there because you have the, the scout skill. We scouted. We realized that we're outnumbered. We don't want to mess with them. They're in our way. We're just going to go around. And you can try to do that, either through sneaking or just going into a different zone area. So in that case, that's up to your table. And two to three times a day might be too much for you. But as long as it's the option to talk, talk your way out of it, I, why not have one combat, uh, one possible combat per day? If you choose not to talk your way out of it, that's on you. I, I guess you could also throw in things where there's the easy way and the hard way to yeah. get to your objective. Like the, the, the quick way is to just beat up the guards. 
the long, slow way might be to sneak around the backside of the building or something. Yeah, and and the the uh, another way could be let's negotiate with let's bring something to them that they might want and negotiate with them. It depends on what it is. I mean, you're not going to be negotiating with rock ghouls. That's why I said you know with rock ghouls having that uh, fight. I wouldn't do it more than every couple of days because either what's going to happen is they're going to get hurt. Even if they're lucky the first couple of times, at some point, somebody's going to get hurt and they're not going to want to fight or they're going to feel used. Oh, I'm useless now. I can't do my thing. So give them a chance to heal at least partially. Hmm. So, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I was just one of those things. It's like, so it was. You were spending a lot of time saying how how you felt that things would be done. So like that's one of the things you didn't mention earlier was like how much you felt that it should be done. And well, because again, <laughs> I, I've got compendiums behind me which are modules. Uh, when we go into zone travel, more of this will should come up. I, I I hesitate only because I haven't read the zone travel section in a long time, and I can't remember if I'm confusing uh, Forbidden Lands journeying with uh mutineer zero's zone travel but i'm pretty sure it's going to come up in there as far as uh, the random rolls because there's a there's a class the scavenger has is a class that is based on the idea of finding what's in the zone and possibly avoiding it so, so. anywho thank you for popping in my hawkman all right i'm going right so uh, is, so anyway is there a way to get a riffs episode for encounters, please. Yeah, I'll talk. He thought he's got a few suggestions, so I'll talk to him about it. It's not here today. Um, thank you. The word you're looking for to describe the co coalition is deterrent. Skullheads keep most bad guys out. Unfortunately, you don't get a protection from the skullheads themselves. Uh, again, depends on how you look at it. I mean, you could say the same thing about you know World War II Communist Party or Nazi Party as well. Uh, I mean, there are always people who take advantage. I mean, what are the thoughts on the Roman Empire? What are the thoughts on, uh, on you know, growing, growing up Spartan or Phoenician, you know, Egyptian? No. But, uh, I mean, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that E. Smith is wrong. I'm just saying, you know, there are definitely perspectives you can look at. Uh, on mega collateral damage, XCOM is a good visual illustration. Normal farm, XCOM comes in, farmers now feel the fire, yeah. Normal suburb, XCOM comes in, it's now ruined war zone, yeah, there you go. Uh... Roman Empire number one. <laughs> number Hannah. Uh, see, Timothy, number two is one I'm guilty of all the time. What was number two again? Uh, oh, NPC reactions. That's right, NPC reactions. Wait. Yeah, mega damage was first. Yeah, yeah. Be, and to be fair, it sometimes gets hard. I get it. You know, what, what happens when you walk into a, a even think today, think of today. You've got a small town, 10,000 people. Now that'll be big for a Rift's world, but you got 10,000 people, mostly farmers, some shops, maybe a little downtown area. You know, three elementary schools, a junior high, maybe a senior high. And you go walking in there with a, a main battle tank, doesn't matter which country or, or, or uh, you know, doesn't have to be an M1, but just a main battle tank, a couple APCs, and a helicopter flying overhead. And then people, you know, wearing full battle rattle. 
Now, I get it. The world is a bit more dangerous, so that's probably a bit more common sight. But you just entered our farming town with all this. We already know it's going to be harder to say no to you. We don't know the type of people you are. You've got the guns. We might have a couple of, you know, machine guns, a couple of AKs, a couple of M16s laying around from the olden days, right? Uh, it's probably not a good idea to bust in there, but it's, but it's hard to, like, every single time. All right, got to react to the way you guys are doing this. So I, so I get it, but it's, it's important that you do it. I do that even when I run, like, Dungeons & Dragons. Like, you're walking into town? Wearing full battle rattle, ready to go? What? I can understand maybe like the Lord, the Knight doing it, you know, you know, having maybe a henchman or himself holding his banner or something, but everybody? So why do I keep hitting reply? I don't mean to hit reply. Uh, I need to know about the hate for the shifter. I think that uh, Heathen Dog has mentioned that a few times. Oh, this is back uh, in that uh, video. Dog's mentioned it a few times. I'm sure there's a couple of videos. I should have him just make a video on hating the shifter. If you guys want to see that, go ahead and post it uh, in our Discord or in the comments to this video when the video comes out. Long story short, and I'll let him explain it better. It's a, it's a ticking time bomb is the way he feels about it. At some point, your shifter is going to screw over the party. Maybe not intentionally. And his mentality is, well, the shifter might not be doing it intentionally, but the player is, because the player knows it's going to happen at some point. All right, I had to look up the movie reference. I come in peace, never knew Dolph had ever played a good guy. I, I still didn't know the movie reference. But there you go. Oh, Punisher 1989. Heathen Dog responded to this one. And don't kill it. Dolph is like Nick Cage. He got me. Heathen Dog! Not the bees! Serious rage. What is this about? Oh, oh I'm sorry, that was... Okay, never mind. That was uh oh three worse so this goes back a couple of weeks the evil dm by the way i don't know if the evil dm is still doing videos yeah but he was he was a youtuber if he isn't now he does talk a lot of palladium stuff or did so i, I don't know how he's handling his channel so it's good to see him back but you guys can check him out uh carpet of adhesion solve let them have a round or two of attacks and the npcs get free because they have an ability to dissolve the carpet interesting my question is this I'm not arguing this. I actually like it conceptually. It's the same way that you deal with things like mimics and so forth in D&D. Uh, is you have the alcohol. Is it written into the rules that way? Now, I'm not saying it needs to be. But you know what I'm saying here. I believe in the spirit of law over the letter of law. Just because it's not written in there doesn't mean it can't be done. I'm just curious. Because I don't know the spell. I don't know riffs. I don't know the certainly the magic. Because I don't utilize it in Palladium Fantasy or uh, or riffs like Heathen Dog does. But if it's not written in there, while that's a good idea, I could see Game Master saying, well, it doesn't say you can do that. But I think it's a good idea. I think that is, especially for a spell that's known to be, uh, I'm going to use the P word, problematic. But, uh, uh, regular little mooks, this won't happen. Yeah, fair. I've dealt with this spell many times. Six cents for most players for kit, even if they have it, even if they don't remember. Neither do I or keep out of the range of the power. Yeah, well, I agree with this to some degree. But he, so a lot of what Heathen Dog says kind of have to, I don't want to say read between the lines. Like when he says things, it's the game master's fault. It's from the player's perspective. 
I'm not saying that every time he says that, but a lot of times. So if the if the the game master forgets it, it's the game master's fault. Not because the game master's stupid, but because the player is going to blame the game master. Is kind of his point. So and and he'll do that a few times where he'll say it's the game master's fault if this happens. Whereas a perspective thing, the players are not going to be happy. Well, I have this ability. No, what the heck? I it, it it didn't get used. Yep. You forgot, I forgot, everybody forgot. And I'm okay with this answer. I think it's a good answer. But by the by the rules as written, if you play that way, or by the nature of how some people act. Symbiote owns his mistakes. Eleven. How many people do we know that just cannot do this out of their own selfish pride? I admit it. I do have a hard time owning up to my mistakes. Uh, here he is, owning up to his actions. I think it's terrific. Yeah, Kevin is terrific. And this is why we're going to have him back. Look, even with what, what I said at the beginning of the stream, which I don't think made it to, the, to a video side of it, um, with that issue, Kevin was fantastic to talk to. Sean was fantastic to talk to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so... And the fact that they took <laughs> what uh, we, mostly Heathen Dog, but what we gave speaks to their character. Good stuff. Uh, I played in a Mutant Year Zero game, but instead of the campaign story in the core book, we decided our elder instructed the mutants to go into the zone and find pure humans to repopulate the Ark. So that would be a way to combine Mutant Mechatron, no, not Mutant, uh, Mutant Elysium and Mutant Year Zero. I'm not saying he, that's what, what uh, Ron uh, Neobody did, but I'm saying that, that could easily be done and would make for a good campaign. And honestly, could still lead to the story in the book. In fact, I would tell you, I'm not going to cover it here. Cat, let me, let me just, I'm not going to cover it, but you can play the adventure in this by making lots of changes to it. Because if players have this book, you know they're going to read it. And that adventure is in the book. But it lays the groundwork for what could happen. So uh, I absolutely would change it. Buddy. I'm I'm having a stream here. I, I know that you're out in fresh air finally, but uh gotta finish my stream, okay? Let's see, perfect example, the A team. Look it up. Did you say look up the A? We know what the A team is here. We're old. All right. So oh did you just see the feral cat? Now you're going weird. So uh the A team. Everyone had a role and was stronger than some of their parts as a result. Yeah, except for when the chick came in. She ruined it. I <laughs> forget her name. Uh, oh, I already liked that one. Did I, read the, did I read that last week? Four days ago. No, I couldn't have. Anyway, I'd like to have an episode about encounters. I'll be posting this every video. Okay, well, hold on. Let me actually reply to this one. Okay, okay. Let me talk to Heathen. <laughs> Let me talk to Heathen Dog. And see what we can work out. There's one thing that will get you in trouble with me. It's spam. Now, he's not spamming yet. I think it's kind of funny at this point, but don't spam. <laughs> but at the same time, hey, sometimes it's what you have to do to get, get our attention. Like, did we have an idea there somewhere? Um, all right. Anything else? I'm going to score some points. Uh-oh. I'm going to score some points with Max. That's always important on this one. But Earthdawn had the best alignment system. Didn't have an alignment system. You picked a philosophy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Oh, by, by your discipline. All right. All right. I was going to say, it didn't have an alignment system, but I see what you're saying here. 
No, Heathen Dog was supposed to do his Memorial Weekend uh, family gathering yesterday, but somebody in his family cried or whatever, and so he has to do it today. And he didn't find out until Friday morning. And by the way, his next topic is going to be an overview of Vason, another Year Zero engine game, but he's going to be doing it in the overview format while I'm doing these in the deep dive. It's kind of like the Call of Cthulhu of the Year Zero engine, so he's going to talk about that next week. Um, but yeah, um, so in Earth Dawn, you picked a discipline, and the discipline had a theme to it. And there are certain aspects of the theme you had to play. If you were a swordmaster, you must be a showman. Now, how you play that showman up is your business. Example A, the swordman out of the book. It's your typical Zoro's three musketeer part type person. Ah, I'm the best person. I do, you know, always giving a show. Look at me. I don't play to win. I play to make you look bad. You know, whatever. Second edition came up with the stick master. It's kind of just the quiet guy. He's not, not a showman all the time, but when he fights, he always makes you feel foolish because he doesn't beat you to just win. He beats you to knock you down, make you feel dumb. And then I developed what I called the axe master. And if I ever hear of Earth on stealing this from me, I'm going to sue him. Um, but I came up with the axe master. Think of it as uh, uh, Rachi, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage as an orc with an axe, but he's so precise with that axe, he can stop it at the tip of your nose. That weapon is huge. It's intimidating. But he knows it. But he's like, and when he gets in that ring, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just a big, tough orc. But he has that magic that uh, works around him. And so he doesn't have to be a showman all the time. But when he gets in that fight, he's walking around. He takes his shirt off, doesn't care. <laughs> That's the axe master. So, yeah, that, that, it's not exactly an alignment. But, yeah, uh, the thief... The thief doesn't steal because he can take stuff from me. He steals to teach you a lesson to not rely on things, especially since the horrors can corrupt them. So. Anywho. Uh, my favorite beginner class for mage. Meet I wonder if I should wait for Heath. Well, Heath Nug's probably read these. Uh, meet Shield Cleric Rogue Rolls. Le uh, Leyland Walker or Techno Wizard, preferably the latter. I don't see a lot of Techno Wizards. It's always one of those classes that I've never wanted to play myself, but I would like to see in the group. And I don't think I ever saw one in a group that I've been in. Might be wrong, though. Headhunter or Wilderness Scout. I like them both. Wait. Headhunter. Wait, is Headhunter the half cyborg? Because I don't like the half cyborg. Or am I thinking of something else? I forget. Cyber Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, good as any juicer or glitter boy without all the associated drawbacks. Can be in the right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Uh, it's a little lacking on range and armor, but I get it. Yeah. Rogue Scholar or Operator. Yeah, I love the Operator. Operator is my favorite non combat class. That's. Oh, uh, if you have power armor, robot pilot, or glitter boy in the party, Operator will be treated like a king. Yep. And that, see, that requires some role playing. Uh, I care about beast versus monster because a true player will exploit it. No, oh, that's uh, uh, not really relevant to this game, though. Okay, I read this one a few days ago, and I, and I wanted to comment to this one, so I'm glad it was here. I disagree. I understand why you care, and you caring is perfectly okay. I'm going to counter it with this, though, why I don't think it's necessary. Again, nothing wrong with the comment. Nothing wrong with point blank. I don't know why I have to have 9,000 disclaimers, but every time I don't, people take everything. Ah, Max said you're stupid. No. I disagree with this because is an owl bear a creature, animal, whatever, 
that a druid can manipulate the same way it can a horse, a lion, buffalo. I'm going to wait for chat to, to put some things in there. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't wait for chat. Age-old question. The old bear has nothing special about it, but it's not an animal of the real world. It has nothing special about it. It's kind of a natural animal of a D&D world. But it's not a natural animal of Earth. So, does the distinction of it being a creature or an animal matter? I posit no. And the reason I say that is because it's up to you and your table. If you want to say, you know what, owl bears are just natural. I mean, if you look at them, at least in second edition, nothing abnormal about them. Just got some attacks, they attack like animals, they just look weird. They don't look like anything normal. So it's an animal. Yeah. Hey, Druid, if you want to turn into an owl bear, turn into an owl bear. Hey, Druid, if you want to, you know, handle an owl bear like you would any other normal animal, you can. I also see it the other way. You know what? To me, an animal is only of this natural world. And as long as your game world includes lions and tigers and bears, oh, oh my, that works out. So no, and you can't turn into owl bear. No, uh, you can't, you know, charm or, or whatever druids can do with an owlbear you know, or, or with natural animals. You don't have that ability. Okay. As long as you're consistent, as long as that all druids have this ability or don't have it, who cares? That's why I don't think I'm at. In fact, I like the ambiguity because then your table can run differently than mine and none, nobody can get all rules layered. No, -uh, it says right here, but oh. my world, that's an animal. An owlbear is just an animal. Well, in my world, it, animal means real world. Okay. All, all acceptable. All good. So. It's up to you. It's up to you how you want to, how you want to do that. And, and there, are more, uh, there are other options than owl bears you can come up with as well. Where it's pretty much just a funky looking animal. Maybe some wizard mashed two things together. Made it. Who knows? It's just an animal. I think that uh, that unnatural animals are things with magic powers or fire breath or things like that. Again, I'm not saying that's how I run my game. I'm just putting I'm putting that out there as just food for thought. Or on my world, no. Everything is of the natural world, so everything can be considered an animal. And in that case, then I do have to have a delineation between what's a creature, what's an animal. How do you want to run it? I just personally don't think that the distinction is necessary because I think it causes more arguments than it solves. I prefer rulings over rules, which means on your world, owlbear is a monster. I'm using a different word intentionally. On my world, an owlbear is an animal. Now we move on. You know, whatever. I, I get that. That's that's my point. But for your world here, you you care about beast versus monster because a druid player will exploit it. Yeah, I just say no. I'm the game master, and no, you can't do that. But thanks for stopping by. <laughs> and you can have a completely different take on that. So I, I get it. All right, um, we're going to counterfeit bullets. Okay, I think we yeah we we looked through these last week if I remember correctly. So okay, that was but that was a good comment. I, I again I, because people are going to go nutty. Max, you're wrong because of this. No, it's an opinion. It's not wrong. I look at it a different way. If you want to have the distinction, have the distinction. I just don't think it's necessary in a, uh, a core book. For my style. 
So, all right. That. I think we're about ready to end the stream. Nobody else called in. So, uh, nobody want to talk about Mutant Year Zero Combat? So, <laughs> all right. So I think with that, I'm calling it a stream. Uh, was it two hours and 43 minutes? For all that? Yeah, not bad. And I hope you guys had fun. Yeah, I mean, okay, my hawk, but uh, I thought the well, never, never mind. <laughs> I, I I don't remember off the top of my head. I thought the owl bear was just a, a magical combination of some crap. Not an owl and a bear, but like it was just some magical construct that went weird. But again, magical construct means something now. Oh, that means it's a golem. Oh, whatever. Um, I prefer more common sense type stuff where if it's made out of mud and walking. It's probably not affected by the same things as something that's got squishy parts on the inside. I'm just saying. Can I charm it? No. Why not? It doesn't say you can't charm mud creatures. I'm telling you, you can't charm mud creatures, okay? <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I get it. I, I get the fact that people could argue, because people argue over anything. So. All right. I want to thank all of you for being here. You guys were awesome. I do not have a show that this is going to roll into like last time. I don't think i'm in the pathfinder game today something weird's happened with that pathfinder game and i have not had a chance to talk to jim's alcove about what happened i think the group got broken up like i mean the players so something happened i don't know if uh certain players wanted more role play and certain players wanted less or if uh certain players can't play certain days or can't play as often and other players i i don't know what's happened but uh there's definitely been a, a breakup in the group. And well, I'm not trying to say everything in this world is about me, me, me. I hope I didn't cause that for the way, you know, jumping in and, and adding the role. I would rather quit than have that group of people break up. But I haven't had a chance to talk to GM's alcove about that. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't have uh, any real words of wisdom other than, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't screw over your players. You know, allow them, you know, challenge them. And I'm talking about combat. Let me, let me frame this for you. There are lots of ways that player characters can gain advantage in Mutant Year Zero. Setting up ambushes, trying to manipulate uh, opponents. Let those things happen. Just remember, they can all happen to the player characters as well. If you're really concerned about player characters constantly setting up ambushes, oh, it's just boring, just going to set up another ambush, set up a situation where it's more difficult for them. Set up more monsters, set up a flank attack. You set up what, whatever, I mean, add more social encounters, add more things that make them want to, to talk or get away or try to steal. Add more things in that have them scouting. But don't just screw them over because they're being boring. Let me phrase that. Don't screw them over because they're, they're using tactics. Start to use the tactics against them. Start to make those tactics a little less meaningful while still being meaningful. Because think about it this way. If you ambush a group of people, you might have the advantage. You know, you're 5 on 20. You might have to ambush. 5 on 20 isn't going to go well if everybody's starting to roll initiative that for, that, you know, right off the bat, that first round, right? So, yeah. Well, uh, so Crafty, I'm still in the group, but it looks like the group got separated. Like I'm in a group with uh, there are four people in one group, and I, and 
two of the players aren't uh, like the main core players aren't in the group that I'm gaming with. And he said something about playing like every other weekend now or something, you know, separating the groups. I don't know. Like I said, I would rather quit the game than, uh, than have that group who's been playing together for that long uh, separate out. That is if I'm the catalyst. And it could just be coincidence. I may not be the catalyst. I'm not trying to make this all about me, me, me. But if you remember the stories that I was saying before about how I kind of came in there a little strong-handed with the role play, I was like, oops. So, uh, so use tic tac. Did I say... I think I said tricks and tactics. I don't know. Maybe I spoke too quickly. <laughs> Image is amusing. It's good to see you. Uh, whatever I said, just use it. Yeah. What flavor? Mint, minty flavor. Use the minty flavor one. <laughs> I hate you people. I hate all you people. I'm not even going to be nice. I'm just saying, no, you guys are great. <laughs> With that, um, I hope each and every one of you has a wonderful week.